The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks running back is just another word for fetch. That's Lenny. I mean, it times he actually doesn't fetch something and run back. He fetches something and then keeps going with it and runs away from me. So he hasn't really grasped the concept yet. Um, but he, like me, is very excited about today's guest. It's been a long time. Deontay Lee from The Athletic. Deontay, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I feel like every time I'm here, it's a new publication or I'm doing something else with my career. So I'm glad think- to be back again. <sighs> actually don't remember where if you last time you were on I think it was I know the first time was PFF because I think I came on with Seth That's right and then athletic mm. the last couple of times so hopefully I'm someplace where I can be here for a little while <laughs> well you do a great job for the athletic you've been all over the draft I asked you to come on specifically to talk about the top defensive prospects in the draft um, last week Derek class and I talked about the offensive guys week before if you guys want to check it out gto sullivan and i talked about the quarterback prospects and then next week is draft week so i'm going to do a mock draft um i do what i would do not what i think the teams will do but i actually want to start off by talking about a couple of teams who have a lot of smoke around them um before we get to the prospects i also want to talk about the jalen Hurts contract not a ton to talk about there honestly but first i want i want to talk about these teams um, specifically the Texans and the 49ers. And we can start with the 49ers because today, I can't remember, I, I, Pro Football Talk is where I saw it. I apologize if it originated somewhere else, but there are rumors, not entirely surprising ones, by the way, that these San Francisco 49ers are fielding offers, not seeking out fielding, uh, for one Trey Lance who actually, you know, I think not Derek and I, whoever had on before JT and I got into this and talked about it at length because um, there was sort of, this was kind of percolating a little bit. I, no, now I remember the, the, the last piece of news that I responded to was uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch coming out and basically saying Brock Purdy is our starter. Right, he's the guy. So that kind of set the table for today's news, right? Because the Niners came out and said, yeah, it's Purdy. Uh, and then Sam Darnold, who we went out and signed, and Trey Lance can duke it out. Right. Uh, which was a surprisingly, like, um, I, I mean, surprising not just because, of course, a mere couple of years ago, the Niners traded the farm to move up and get Trey Lance with pick number three. He's barely played football for them. Um, first year redshirting, second year injured. Right. But also, it was just was so definitive to say in March. So, anyways, this latest piece of news also had uh, Florio threw out one of the teams, the Vikings, mm-hmm. talking to the Niners at the combine. What's your reaction to, I guess, the idea that the Niners might trade Trey Lance? It opens up so many more questions for me. Like, I don't know. I'm having a really hard time wrapping my mind around what a Trey Lance transaction looks like. Um, I was talking to some of some of my colleagues and, you know, one of the things we keep coming back to is whatever it is that you might think about Trey Lance as a prospect, what his ceiling might be. We're talking about a guy that has like five starts between like college and pros basically over like the last three, four years. So we have no idea. We don't have enough of a sample size period to really be able to get a clear picture on what kind of quarterback he is 
which leads me to, I think, the bigger question of what is the package that gets it done? This is someone who costs three first round picks for the Niners. Like their roster building now through the draft is dramatically different because of the transactions that they've made to go get him. And then obviously Christian McCaffrey this last um, this last season. Um, So I don't know what it is that you ask for back. You know, I'm sure they would like to get a one, but you're not trading a one for a guy that basically has not logged a snap, logged a meaningful snap in the NFL. So that that's kind of the thing I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. As far as like a team like the Vikings, that makes a lot of sense, right? I, I can understand them saying we'd rather do that than pay whatever the exorbitant fee it is to get from late in the first round into the range that it takes to get one of the quarterbacks if they happen to like one of the top four guys that we've been talking about throughout this entire uh, pre-draft process. But outside of that, I just have a really hard time wrapping my mind around what this means for San Francisco and why they're so definitive when their quote-unquote starter that's going to be coming back probably won't be back until late fall, early winter, you know, most optimistically. I don't get it. It's hard for me to know how to value Lance, but I think we can say definitively that his value has diminished (laughs) since the Niners traded up for him. Um, and that, that, you know, this is going to be, if a trade were to happen, basically any scenario other than him coming back, competing, winning the job and being the dude is an L for San Francisco because they're going, they gave up way more than they're going to, even when you consider time and whatever, than whatever they get back. It's hard for me to imagine a team trading a first. And I say that as someone who believes we don't know who trade glances is a quarterback. This is what I said last time we talked about him, you know, dudes barely played. Um, most of what, like, it seems like most people's opinions are just based on inference. Like, right. oh, the Niners don't like him, so he must suck. Well, mm-hmm. we don't know. Right. Right? Like, we don't know. Um, I, I guess what I find a little bit confusing, or I guess potentially thorny is, and you, you alluded to this, we're coming off of a playoffs where the Niners were down to Brock Purdy throwing with the wrong hand. Right. <laughs> like, um, and yes. Like end around passes. Yeah. They, <laughs> these were down. They did not have any quarterbacks left. Right. Yes. They go out and they sign Sam Darnold. But if you trade Trey Lance, you're comfortable with that quarterback room with. Brock Purdy coming off of the UCL injury with an uncertain timeline that the coach and the GM have given different accountings of. Right. And Sam Darnold? Who's like perpetually dinged up because he's always yes. getting hit hard. That is, especially considering the Niners' realistic playoff aspirations because of how good the roster is, that is surprising to me. And that's what makes me think unless they I, – I think if you can get a good return – I get it, right? Because essentially, like, let's say a team is willing to trade, I don't know, a couple seconds. Right. I don't even, I kind of don't think that's going to happen. But whatever. Let's say that's the, the Vikings. I can see the the Niners saying, okay, essentially all we need Lance for at this point is depth because we're so out on him or a guy to, you know, compete with Darnold or maybe whatever. So we'll take a couple seconds. We'll draft a guy. We'll bring in a body. Maybe there's a veteran out there or whatever. Um I think Teddy's still out there, actually. I think about it. Um, Speaking of injured quarterbacks. But yeah, so I could see them saying, listen, we've already gotten hosed on this. Or not hosed. Our own volition. Whatever. We're taking the L. If we can get like a decent draft haul, that's more valuable than quarterback depth. Right. But that's presuming, A, that they can get that. And B, 
that 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 is all they view him now as depth, which is wild. wild. Three first wild. rounds, three first round picks is what it costs to get a guy that you're trying to get off of before the end of his rookie deal. It's it's I, that's the thing that's just like it's mind boggling. Um, and to me, I think a lot of this comes back to what I've been focusing on, which is the messaging, right? Being yeah. so definitive about Purdy. And then having this come out, I, I love the clarification to start with like, oh, we're not making the calls. We're not dialing the numbers. But if it rings, we would be we would not be doing our job to not answer. Um, but the fact that this is public for them and you haven't seen any like definitive or, you know, smoke screens like we're not even thinking about this. We want them to compete for the job. That to me tells me that they must not think that they can reclaim this, which Either that or they believe they're going to get major surplus value back for them. And I don't see that world existing. So I, if I had to pick one or the other, I, I would think the former. I would be shocked if it's the latter. We'll see what happens. Um, I agree with you, by the way. Vikings makes a ton of sense. You know, a yeah. team that's been linked to Hendon Hooker. Or there's a few teams picking later. Like, right. I don't know, the Bucks. you know, maybe mm-hmm. I'll throw out there. The Titans, if they decide to um pass on quarterback at 11 or you know aren't interested in the first round that's another team where i could see a second or a third wanting to take a shot at it but yeah I was baltimore even i might think about if i can throw maybe mm. a late top 100 pick to get a guy like yeah. that you know i know i've got the tag on what i think is my franchise quarterback but if he doesn't show up maybe we just give this to lance for a little bit and see what happens i mean any team trading a top like a like what you said like a, i don't know late second that's I, I love that for any team that does the trade because of the potential and you know that's to take a shot at a quarterback generally I feel this way too about most teams you know teams in last year's draft all right well that's that uh the other piece of draft related gossip rumors speculation uh, I want to talk to you about is the growing murmur mm-hmm that the Houston Texans are not taking quarterback at pick number two. So I was actually on NFL Live with Adam Schefter when he and my colleague Dan Orlowski kind of went back and forth about this. And they ended up making like a bet on air where Adam was like, yeah, I don't think we were talking about the Colts. And he was like, yeah, yeah I don't think they're worried. They think that they're going to take like essentially two quarterbacks will go in the top four instead of, I mean, there's been rumors of three, four. Everybody assumed up to this point that – Carolina would take a quarterback. Houston would take a quarterback. Potentially a team would trade up to three with Arizona, and then the Colts would take a quarterback. If Houston passes on a quarterback, all draft scenarios go out the window. The Arizona like pick suddenly becomes very different. Indianapolis suddenly has their pick of guys, whatever. Before we get into that, I guess from Houston's perspective. Right. What's your take on the notion that they're going to not only pass on the quarterback this year? I think this is notable. There aren't rumors about them getting like the mother load. Right. Right. That would be one thing, right? If, if you were like, oh, Houston, they suck. They need to fill out this roster. Uh, Tennessee's going to trade up. They're going to get multiple firsts next year. That's not what the buzz is. The buzz is just right. that they're taking Will Anderson at two. So how do you feel about that? Another thing that I don't think makes a lot of sense to me. I, I'm not two and two is not equaling four here. Like, and, and you're you alluded to it. If what Adam Schefter was reporting would, if it was, hey, the Colts feel like the tiers between the top three quarterbacks on their board is close enough that they feel comfortable that they're all that they'll all be on the board. The inference there is that 
Arizona doesn't have a market for the number three pick the way that they would like for it to be. They're just yeah. going to take what's available. I think that plenty of people can envision that. For it to be, the Colts feel very positive about where they stand right now because neither of the teams ahead of them outside of um, Carolina is looking to take a quarterback. That was the thing that kind of had my eyebrows up at my hairline. Like, I don't I don't understand for Houston, from Houston's perspective, if there was a quarterback that they liked, I was listening to uh, my friend Ben Solak on uh, the Ringer show, and they were kind of throwing around the idea of like, maybe it's Will Levis for them, and they feel comfortable with taking a guy at two and then maybe trading up from 12 or letting it, you know, kind of letting it play out. That's bad draft strategy. If, if y'all don't idea- like a quarterback enough to take them at two, but you want to take him just a little bit later in the first round, he is not your quarterback. He's not your quarterback. Okay. And Sorry you're probably setting things up for, you're probably setting him up for failure. So that, and that was the argument they were making. And I agree with that from Houston's perspective. The only way you don't take a quarterback at two, knowing that there's only one you're not going to have access to is that you would be trading down. I would think, and that's not to say there's anything wrong with Will Anderson. That's not to say there would have been anything wrong with Jalen Carter if he was a pick. That's not to say there would be anything wrong with them deciding for as much as they like Titus Howard, they want to go get one of the top tackles or something to that effect. I could see a world where you can do something else with that, but that should come after like trying to trade down from two, which you've heard yeah. no scuttlebutt from, nothing from Ian Rappaport, nothing from Adam Schefter, nothing from you know Houston beat reporters. It just sounds like they've resigned themselves to the fact that we couldn't get Bryce Young and we really wanted Bryce Young. So I guess Will Anderson is just what it is. We're going to talk about Will Anderson at length today. I love Will Anderson. I don't view him as like Miles Garrett. I'll just say that right now before we get into it. And so, you know, it is, I mean, I love a situation to walk into if you're D'Amico Ryans. (laughs) Put, 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 Put yourself in the shoes of a Texans fan. Mm-hmm. On one hand, logically, you could you could say, okay, maybe the quarterbacks are overrated. We really could use a stud edge rusher. Maybe D'Amico, view, who is very smart, views Will mm-hmm. Anderson as like his Bosa or whatever, right. you know. And we, we clearly need to build. This roster is not ready. Then mm-hmm. we're going to be bad. So next year, we get a shot at Drake May or Caleb Williams. Right. Logically, you you. You can make that case. You can shoehorn nice yeah, you can shoe horn the logic to make it. If make you sense. had another first rounder next year, through like an actual trade to go up, whatever, in case you need it. Mm-hmm. But also, put yourself in the shoes of a Texans fan. Yes. You did the Davis Mills thing for a year until the waning seconds of the 22 se- 20, 2022 season. You had the number one draft pick. Yes. <laughs> and now your organization is like. Hey guys, uh, yeah, remember uh, the offense you watched last year? Gotta watch it again. I mean, yeah, I guess you gotta like be offensive again? coordinator. It's it's not even like they went out and traded for Garoppolo or Brissett, right. or it's 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 literally gonna be the same thing, right? That, like, yeah, I, I just think that's such a hard sell. Um, and and also, by the way, if it plays out the way we've discussed, where let's say you you. There's no trades. So let's say right. it turns out people like the quarterbacks less than we thought. Mm-hmm. So they get Will Anderson. Let's say the Cardinals don't have a trade either. They get Jalen Carter. Your division rival is about to get has their pick the franchise quarterback of quarterbacks, and you didn't like them, but God knows teams aren't great. We just talked about trade mm-hmm. at forecasting quarterbacks. So there's a good chance that C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Little Levis, whatever, is going to terrorize you. Uh, like for a decade. And so you got to sit on the sidelines and watch like a potentially exciting rookie season. It's just, 
it's just a hard sell for me. It's more than a hard sell. The scenario that you're painting, if it goes poorly, <laughs> is what gets people fired in two years. Like, if in, if this plays out the way that we're describing, let's say Indianapolis does get C.J. Stroud, and he hit, he's a hit, and in a season and a half, it looks like the Colts are ready to compete with the Jaguars at the top of the division. Nobody gets to keep their job after that. Those are the kinds of mistakes that, that are hard to survive. So... I, and I'm like really fascinated, like tied to this with the fact that we've got all these public comments from Nick Casario, like my job is fine. I'm not going anywhere. Where is this Everything's confidence good. coming from? <laughs> like, and I'm like, wait a second. I, I don't know if you've earned that yet. Like what the last uh, public reporting we have on you was all the mess with you and Jack Easterby before he left the organization. So I don't think that you've done enough for you to feel like, you know, your feet are firmly planted within this organization. So on many levels, if I'm D'Amico Ryans, assuming that this is a decision made above him, I'm throwing a fit in my office every single day until somebody's mind. Assuming. Changed. I don't know, man. If they take a defensive stud, it's entirely possible it's that entirely possible. Ryans was involved. All right. That's the Texans. I, I'm be trying to be very circumspect about everything because this draft seems like total chaos based yes. on like every day there's a new rumor. Suddenly, Lavis is QB2 after sliding down boards. Right. Four QBs are going, no QBs are going. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? So um, we'll see. One more thing I want to talk about. This is going to be a very long podcast, by the way, before we get to the defensive players. And that is uh, Jalen Hurts. You see the, the numbers. Five years, $255 million. 110 of that are guaranteed. Right. Um, you know, if with him, because he was not a first-round draft pick, new money is what you're looking at. And it TLDR, it's a very normal quarterback contract. Right. Um, so I guess first I want to talk about just the Hurts and Eagles side of this. Um, inevitable, I think, after his season. I would say more than his season, actually his performance in the Super Bowl is kind of yeah. what sealed this for me because even until then, there's still kind of – Ah, uh, you know, how much of this is really Jalen Hurts? The mm -hmm. offense is amazing. The offensive line is like the best in football, all reasonable. Um, although, you know, so much of what they do is because of Jalen Hurts, especially right. on the ground. Then he goes out in the Super Bowl and he just bowls out of his mind. And right. that kind of sealed it for me. I was like, all right, they're going to do the deal. They do the deal. I guess I don't have any real kind of had to get done. I don't right. think. Um, he did get a no trade clause, which I thought was kind of fascinating mm -hmm. after the whole, you know, last, they didn't early extension with Carson Wentz, which of course horribly backfired on them. Do you have any, like, just again, from the Eagle side of this, does this surprise you in any way? Do you agree with it? Do you have any qualms or does it just feel about inevitable? I guess it feels about inevitable when you look at everything in the aggregate, right? Like at first I saw the number, the length of the contract, the guarantees, and I think, me, naturally, as an Eagles fan, the first thing I think about is Carson Wentz. I'm like, the last bet <laughs> didn't go so well. I don't know how I feel about it. Then you see the numbers, like the cap hits over the first four years. And it's like, okay, that's more than manageable. And that yeah. tells me that you guys genuinely believe that you can hold this roster together long enough to make multiple runs at it. And that you feel like you guys are the class of the NFC East and you're safe, you know, in your space in the NFC, which is, I think, a sound logic to have. You know, I think that there will be first or second just about every year um, of this deal, considering, you know, again, assuming that things don't completely fall apart. So once I got over that initial kind of like wincing, no pun intended, <laughs> um, 
and looking at the numbers of it, the other thing I went back to, um, it's kind of like some of the messaging that was out in Philadelphia basically throughout this entire process, because it always sounded like Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman believed in him. And I think that it was really more of a matter of however he performs in 2022 is what's going to dictate the number. But we are not necessarily concerned that we'll have to be right back in the quarterback market after, which left me feeling like however I feel about this contract or this quarterback is really more about me than it is about the actual situation in Philadelphia. Like my concerns is really just like, what does the trajectory look like for Hertz? So if this, if 2022 is the best version that we ever see from the guy and that's just who he is, or that's kind of like the baseline of it, you're probably happy with that. Yes. I, I think that you'd be happy with that. I don't think that it's like some gargantuan overpay, even the springing guarantees in the deal brings you basically up to the Josh Allen level, which is like, okay, you're kind of rich. You know, it's a little rich for the quarterback that he is, but it's also the quarterback market. It's not like getting a quarterback better for, better than Hurts would cost you less. So, yeah. you know, from, from that perspective, roster building wise, the way that they're managing the money based on what's reported and the fact that he did come out in 2022 and ball out. And I think that their supporting cast around him, save for some of the role players on defense, is basically intact. I have reason to believe that Philadelphia can genuinely contend to the degree that you believe that there is a window to contend in the NFL. Yeah. We talked about it on live, and I think um, that's the question that came up. Like, oh, no, like how much hard? Well, yeah, it's harder for every team that doesn't right. have a rookie quarterback. Some teams do a better job of it than others. They just played a team. They lost to a team in the Super Bowl that um, appears to have done a really good job mm-hmm. building around the Patrick Mahomes contract, whether it was trading Tyreek Hill, hitting on draft picks, you know, and actually, that, that that is kind of an interesting point because the Chiefs and the Eagles stand in really stark contrast in that respect. Yes. The Eagles basically played none of their rookies last right. year. And whether that was because of the defensive depth or because of how they view the rookies, well, we certainly don't know with Dean because he like bar- Nicobe Dean like barely played. Barely played right. um, Jordan Davis saw the field some and, and was useful, but I think you're going to want him to be more productive. Right. Um, but then you had the Chiefs, on the other hand, who played like the most rookies of any team right. other than like the Bears and Texans, right. I think. <laughs> but um, a lot of their young defensive backs in particular, all, all their rookies contributed, but those right. guys, I thought – um, were, had a lot to be excited about or did a lot to be excited about. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are now going to have to do that, basically. Yes. Like that's say, number 10 and number 30 have to be hits for them this yeah. year. And next year's first round pick probably has to be a hit for them as well. Like I think mm-hmm. all their top 60 picks over the next three years, I think that they've got to hit and get guys that can play right now. They're not going to have the benefit of doing the whole red shirting all of our rookie nope. class the way that they did last year. And, you know, like that's, again, just, how it I mean, is. that's a regular um, NFL. Yeah, that's just how it is in the NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, the offense is largely intact too, which I think uh, next year will be helpful, especially with Shane Steichen gone. Right. The only other angle on this, I think, that's worth hitting is kind of what it means for the other quarterbacks. Um, I guess the other win for the Eagles is that they got it done early because yes. it seems inevitable that Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow's deals will both be bigger in bigger some ways. That, I'll be right. curious to see the years on them because if mm-hmm. I was Burrow, for example. And maybe my, you know, cheap, sorry, Bengals organization isn't giving me as much of a bump as I deserve. I might say, all right, let's do four years. Exactly. Let's see, you know, Mm -hmm. because Hertz, you could argue the five years was a concession for Philadelphia too. Um, I expect those deals to get done. I expect them to be pretty normal. The big question as ever is Lamar Jackson. 
Right. The way I see it, this is not good for him. In, in well, it's kind of good and not good depending on his willingness to exactly. just yes. take a normal deal. Mm-hmm. If he's willing to do a normal deal at this point, it's good because it's it's another data point. He can say, "All right, give me a. I want to make more than this. the longer he drags this out, the higher his price tag. If he's willing to do a normal deal, right." Right. If he's not, this is bad because it's yet another example of a normal quarterback contract and more evidence that the Sean Watson deal was an aberration. And that, that was my first reaction. I was like, all right, the NFL has now decided on multiple occasions that's never happening again. <laughs> so it just that from that perspective, from a negotiating perspective for Lamar Jackson, I think that that is a reality that has to be faced. Um, if he was going to do a guaranteed deal, it would probably be more in the line of like the Kirk Cousins deal a few years ago, where it's like, oh, two, three years, the yeah. number's probably not going to be as high as a typical free agent quarterback might be, but we will fully guarantee the deal. I don't know, and it doesn't sound like that's something that interests him. Um, and it, it wouldn't interest me if I was a quarterback who, you know, ran a lot and took a lot of hits, and I got to be the engine of the running game and the passing game. I would want long term. So like you said, if he's able to look at this and approach it as rationally as possible, you can walk right into the Ravens office and say, hey, that's very similar to the deal that was reportedly offered to Lamar, assuming that that was true. He took that. I'm better than this guy. I'm more I'm more accomplished than this player. And the market dictates that the next guy is going to reset the market anyways on this or take a step above who the last guy was. That would make a lot of sense. It's just like you said with with Herbert and Burrow, he can use those deals as templates because I would yeah. assume that both teams are going to look to want to lock these guys up for six, seven year deals. Maybe Lamar doesn't get something to that extent, but you can take some of the figures there and apply that to your deal. And then the big thing I think you can take and you alluded to it is a no trade clause. That would be my big sticking point if I'm Lamar now. Hmm. Maybe I'll bend on the money. But I got to get a no trade clause because if there is something wrong with my body long term, I want to make sure that I'm protected um, as yeah. much as you can be long term. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I do think I, the reporting around it was that he was offered 133 fully, fully. guaranteed, which is much more than right. the Jalen deal, if it's mm-hmm. if that's accurate. He When he said no 133, he meant he wasn't – I. I <laughs> My interpretation was not that he was disputing that number, but he was disputing some people's interpretation of the total offer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. what was what our guarantees or whatever. So anyways, we'll see. All right. That's Jalen Hurts. That's the quarterback contracts. We're finally ready to talk about what you're here to talk about today, and that is defensive players. We kind of got started with Will Anderson. So I want to start with the edge rushers. Um, And the way I sent sent you the names I wanted to talk about so I have it. This is my perception. I have Will Anderson in a tier of his own. Yep. And then I go, Tyree Wilson is pretty definitively my number two. Mm-hmm. And then I've got the next couple of tiers of guys, guys who are likely to go in the first round, Maz Murphy, Nolan Smith, sounds like Lucas Van Ness. Right. Um, so not everybody agrees about Tyree Wilson. That's I actually think... He maybe other than Anthony Richardson on offense, or Quentin Johnston maybe. Yeah. Tyree Wilson seems to be the most polarizing prospect in the draft. So, yes. uh, put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. Will Anderson, I guess we should start where I kind of what I I feel bad starting this way, but I said I don't view him as Miles Garrett. I, I, 
I've, I think he's really great. <laughs> like, I have joked about how over the moon I would be if he somehow fell to Seattle at five. Um, I mean, I think he's kind of good at everything. I, he is not like he, he is incredibly athletic. His first step is tremendous. Yes. Um, he's explosive. He, his closing speed is incredible. His flexibility is okay, but he's strong. Right. Um, you know, he's still developing his repertoire, but you see glimpses of it. At Alabama, he was asked to do a bunch of different things. He did them all well. He's a high motor guy. He literally, you know, he, he's good in run defense. He's good at everything. Like, yeah. I, I mean, what, let's start there kind of what big picture. What is your take on him as a prospect? And how do you view him relative to the other clear-cut number one edge rusher types? The closest comp I, I made to him when I talked with uh, Nate Tyson and Robert Mays about it, I said the high, high end is something in the neighborhood of Khalil Mack stylistically. Um, will he have the refinement, the full repertoire that Khalil Mack had like at his peak in Chicago? That is, I think that's really where the argument is with him. Yeah. It's less about floor and much more about ceiling. Um, because yeah. like you said, you know, the elite traits, if you're looking for that Von Miller level of like hip flexibility and bend, you're probably not going to find it in him. I would say even the best version of him, you don't really see that in his pass rush skill set, which is fine. There's a real small list of guys that can do that, which is why Von Miller is a viable pass rusher into his 30s, right? Like that that's its own thing. But I think if you once you divorce yourself from like that elite blue chip, like no doubt Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa level of player, he falls right in the next argument, but you know, behind those guys, behind the Miles Garretts. And I feel like you can be pretty comfortable taking him as the top edge rusher for all the reasons that you listed. You know you're going to get a good run defender. So it's not like, oh, this is a guy that's a project that we have to protect. We have to try to keep him away from the point of attack. He is a good speed rusher. He does have long arms. He does have good play strength. Um, you mentioned it in his time at Alabama, you know, it. and this is not just him. It's frustrating across the board when you're trying to project um, college guys to the NFL because the sports are just becoming more and more different as time goes yeah. on. But he's playing like true 3-4 defensive tackle. Where he's like a four-eyed, yeah. like taking on the inside shoulder of a tackle and a double team on zone plays. And like those are plays that you genuinely have to throw out if you're talking about NFL projection, right? Like that's something else that can be a little bit frustrating. But if you want to take something from it, you see that explosiveness that you mentioned. Um, you see the upper body strength. You see the way that he's able to transition speed into power. And the thing that I like about him most is the fact that the motor really never stops running. Is it going to be hand fighting like the Bosa's? No, but because he has that length, that explosiveness, and that first step, he does a really good job for a guy that's got pretty slender build, that's pretty slender build-wise, of dropping tackles off in quarterback's laps or being yeah. able to change the angle to be able to win the corner late in the pass rush. So that's kind of the thing that I'm banking on. If it doesn't work to that level, it's going to be because he's not refined and he does not have that elite pass rush skill set. So that's where the argument is, but I would be comfortable because of all the other things that he offers, especially in comparison to some of the other guys we'll get into that I think have like hard line, he's not good at this yet, hard line, he's not ready for that yet. I think Anderson is the most ready to step in and contribute immediately as an edge rusher. Especially, well, I guess it depends on what scheme he lands in, but I'm, I'm glad you talked about the fact that Alabama, he was basically asked to line up all across the defensive line, 
absorb double teams. Mm-hmm. They used him a lot on loops and stunts, which yep. he is, you know, he's got good change of direction. He's very good at that. Yes. <laughs> um, but if he had been, and there's some of the other guys, asked more often, almost exclusively, to just pin his ears back from, you know, the outside and go, right. his numbers, which are already the best in class, right. would have been even higher. Um, that, to me, is encouraging from an upside perspective, thinking about how he might be used in the NFL, especially, you know, I'm trying to think of a, well, okay, well, I guess Houston. Houston, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's D'Amico Ryan, so we know it's a 4-3, and he, he's going to be asked to line up pretty wide, and yep. I have, like, pretty strong confidence in his ability to produce and get good numbers lined up that way. God, who's their second-best edge rusher now? Ooh, that is fool. Because they let Okoronkwo go. Yeah, Jerry did. Hughes is still there. Actually, Jerry Hughes. Yeah. Jerry Hughes. Which... Who's, by the way, a great, great guy for him to learn from. You know? Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, he, you know, he's so I think there's some upside there. I think there's obviously upside in terms of like his pass rush. You know, right now he's kind of just like a speed to power guy for the most right. part. And um, he's just not going to embarrass you. Like, right. he's, <laughs> he, um, he's really good at not being fooled by misdirection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, he's a very safe pick. And right. Sometimes that's an, un, that's an yeah. unsexy thing to say when you're talking about like number two overall potentially is like safe. Yeah. Um, and I said, I'm sure that people have seen the clip from him on good morning football talking about like, I'm not the safe pick. I'm the right pick. And like, that's the right thing to respond back with. But <laughs> safe's not an insult in this context. Uh, again, especially in comparison to who he's going to be stacked up against in this class, like Tyree Wilson, which we'll get to in detail He's got a poor get off, right? And he's not refined either as a pass rusher. He has some other traits that I think are interesting. But when I look at the whole, if you gave me one page just full of just boxes to check off with Anderson, he does check off, I think, the most of them in this class. Um, if you want to see more of just him as a pure pass rusher, you'd got to, you'd have to go back to 2021 when he got to spend a little bit more time yeah. outside of tight ends, outside of tackles, really able to pin his ears back, especially on passing downs. Um, and that's when you get the 31 TFLs, you get the 17 sacks, if I remember right. Um, you know, one of those record-breaking type of years. So I, I don't know if that will translate one-to-one to the NFL level. That would put him in that Miles Garrett type of class. But I do think, at worst, you're going to get a high-end starter and probably a near-Pro Bowl-level player um, more often than not if you played out, if you like made it a simulation. And I'll say this, like, you know, we're talking about Garrett and the Bosa's, but I like him more than I liked Aiden Hutchinson last Same. year, who was taken number two. I, I mostly just because he's twitchier, his, his get off to me is more impressive. Right. Um, and yeah, Hutchinson went too. And he, he had a decent rookie he season. Was so decent. yeah, he looks yeah. good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you mentioned Tyree Wilson. Let's just jump into it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, the, the takes are so all over the place on Wilson from people I trust. Yeah. So this is, it's a, he's a scary prospect to talk about yes. for me because <laughs> it's not one where it's like, okay, you know, the people I respect on this stuff feel one way. No, it's, it's all over the place. Everybody's divided. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so for those who haven't watched Tyree Wilson, the number one thing you have to know is he is built like a pterodactyl. Enormous. He has, Unbelievable! I think they're longer than Giannis. I, I look, we were looking it up at the combine. His I wingspan would, is insane. I want to say that yeah, he's like he's got a legitimate seven foot wingspan. 
And it shows, frankly. Um, he is, I mean, he's, it's really funny too, because he's like watching him go up against offensive tackles, like they're build wise. Like he's big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just yeah. so big. He's super explosive. He's got crazy um, closing speed. Mm-hmm. And then he uses his length to his advantage. Um, downside is he is raw as hell. Yeah. And and what's kind of funny is despite the fact despite the fact that he's raw as hell and you kind of talked about this he seems to be like operating on a different like his timing is just not there and it <laughs> the, the, is glaring. It's like a full on delay mechanism with getting it's off. It's wild. Ground. I actually was trying to think of a prospect where I saw that and I actually couldn't think of one I where can't. that like where that jumped out to me. Despite Certainly that, for a guy that's like top 15, you know, top 10, top yes. five, potentially, you know. He's still, um, and this is what's kind of unique about him, he produced statistically. So yeah. usually like when we talk about guys like this, we're like, yeah, they didn't get the sacks, but they're going to come. No, he got to the quarterback. Um, yeah. So he's at Texas Tech. Uh, so Sports Info Solutions has some fun sacks, some stats. Mm-hmm. They have one called a pressure rate plus minus, which accounts for uh, the, the depth of the drop. Uh, whether it's play action, alignment, right. stuff like that. It's pretty cool. He finished first. More bluntly, first in pressures per game. Yeah. Uh, second in quick pressure rate, which is two and a half seconds or less. It's another SIS stat. He ranks near the top, in the top 10 of just about every pressure statistic. So despite the fact that he doesn't really know what he's doing and he right. doesn't really know what time he's supposed to get off, because he is so crazy athletic and long, he is still getting to the quarterback. Is that that I mean that encapsulates it that you just described Tyree Wilson like watching some of his film it's hilarious because of how late he can be getting off the ball <laughs> based on what we expect of edge rushers and I was like so th- how how does this work where I'm watching you be late and then two seconds later you are dropping a tackle off or like throwing like a Reggie White hump move to get to the quarterback. Um, and that comes back to the physical tools, right? And I think that that's why the opinions are so disparate on him because people just have a really hard time looking at a guy and saying like, okay, he's got the arm length. He clearly has the long speed, even though he doesn't yeah. explode right out of his stance every time. When he's when chasing he, from like a backside pursuit, it is insane. It's scary. It's so <laughs> it's crazy. Terrifying. It's like, so fun. Like you said, he's basically like he looks like what Paris Johnson Jr. would look like if he were an edge yeah. rusher. You know, it's <laughs> it's freakish sometimes to see the way that he wins. And then when I think about the kind of teams that really value his uh, measurables and his skill set. I'm like, oh, this is like a dream. If you're Dennis Allen, you've got to be looking at this guy like, how could we not? Why did we trade away our future picks? We could have been here, you know? Yeah. Um, so that that's the kind of thing that I think about is like those four, three teams that want those six techniques aligned up directly over the tight end, your nine techniques, or you're really setting the edge and getting him in a system too. And this is, again, I feel like this carries on for so many of the guys that we're evaluating in this edge class getting them in a system that actually allows him to really pin his ears back and go that arm length makes up for the fact that he doesn't always have a plan or that he might lose his initial pass rush. You know, I I see him try to set an edge or try to work an angle because of his size and just like how awkward college pockets can be. It doesn't look ideal. And then, like I said, he's just able to shove guys off because for as long and as lanky as he is strong, the strength is incredible. (laughs) <laughs> like when they line him up sometimes. 
outside, you know, they move him around some. He will just forklift guard. Like, he will. I mean, he's just. It looks like a high school over- highlight tape sometimes. Yes. He's overpowering. He's also going to run defense, which yes. is notable, right? Because mm-hmm. this is, he is not just a designated pass rusher. He can set right. an edge. Sometimes he'll get fooled, but like he um, definitely has the the strength. Certainly, um, I just I just feel like if the biggest ding on this guy is that he's half a second late and he's still putting up these kinds of pressure numbers, why would you not want to bet on that? Combined with you know all the traits that we've been talking about. Um, I, you know, there's certainly uncertainty there, no doubt, but it's such a rare combination of speed and length. And I, to me, like his issues, they seem fixable. Um, it would be, I wouldn't take him over Anderson, but yeah, I wouldn't either. And like, it would, like you're saying, it would be one thing if he was like getting walked off the ball on a running place. Right. Or it's like, okay, you just don't know what to do with your body. Yeah. Like we've got to build you from the ground up and understanding how to be a physical player, given your measurables, but that's not a problem. In fact, I would say that that's going to be a day one strength of his. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's a clear breakage in tears between Will Anderson one, Tyree Wilson two, and then your taste for like the next three to five guys, right? And how you project them out because he is going to be a good run defender. He is, he does find ways to win in spite of not being a bender. And this is something that Nate Tice, uh, my colleague pointed out, and I a hundred percent agree with him because he's so huge, especially watching like him next to like big 10 football player or big 12 football players who are like, it feels like nine receivers and two tackles basically on the field for offense. Um, to look at a guy that huge in comparison to his peers, he has a little bit more wiggle, like a little bit more flexibility to him than you would expect for a guy who's 6'6", 6'7", you know, um, and playing as high as he can sometimes. Yeah. So like, if the thing to fix is pad level, which you can, you know, that's like day one stuff that can get fixed. Yeah. And so many guys coming into the NFL have to fix that anyways. And him being able to get off the ball, and I think going to the NFL where pass rushing is king, that's going to be another day one thing to work on with him. If I'm if I'm any team that's behind whoever picks Will Anderson and I know that I need an edge rusher and he's available, I'm jumping for joy. Because at worst, I think I'm going to get a solid starter. And if he figures out anything in terms of pass rushing, I don't know how you stop a guy that has this combination of explosiveness and strength. They need to get like... Um... Not like a Simon Says device, but one of those things where you like, you know, when you, when you go to the eye doctor and yeah. it flashes and you have yeah. to press the button, yeah. Yeah. you know, you're like, yeah. uh-huh. I always am worried that I'm messing that up and it means I'm going to like get radically different prescriptions for my contact lenses. They need, is there, there has to be like an equivalent for that, you know, yes. where it's like, just oh, the worst one for go. me is like the yeah. hearing test where the yeah. beats start getting so faint that I start like tricking myself into hearing things that I'm not. <laughs> Watch Tyree Wilson just be offsides constantly. Yes. <laughs> so, right. He's like, <laughs> um, okay, I'm glad we both like him uh, while acknowledging, obviously, that he is a imperfect prospect. Yes. Um, I, so I, I, I put the next three guys I put in a tier. This is mostly actually less like, this is just kind of me looking at a lot of mocks and seeing them kind of in mm-hmm. the next round. So I, Miles Murphy, Nolan Smith, and Lucas Van Ness are all guys that I have seen sort of floating in that next region. I mean, 
there is guys we can talk about in a second who I think will also go first round or like are in the fringe of the first round. Will McDonald, BJ Algelari, Tian White, who got invited to the draft. That was a yes, but um, I, Murphy, Smith, and Van Ness are the ones that I have consistently seen still in the first round. Yes, different orders. I guess let's start here. What order would you take them in? Right now, uh, it's so because they're different players, they fit yeah. differently in defenses. And I think some of the things that are strengths and weaknesses of theirs are just like all, kind of all over the place. I think I rank it like Nolan Smith, first of that group, Miles Murphy, second, and Lucas Van Ness, third. And the distance between Murphy and Van Ness to me is like. I don't know, you know, maybe a fingernails worth the worth of length, you know, between the two. Um, and it's because of just like how minor some of the differences are. Like when you look at Van Ness, he's extremely productive. If you look at the stats, right, his pressure rates are great. Um, he did convert his pressures into production, right? So he, he is getting sacks, had a bunch of TFLs. I think he led the Big Ten in, in tackles for loss. And then you have to square that with the fact that he wasn't a starter. How much that matters to you kind of depends on what kind of, you know, nitpicking you're willing to do. But the thing that more was that was more concerning to me with Van Ness is like all of your wins are on the inside. Like yeah. which is cool. That's a value now. You know, you see NFL teams all the time take their 270 pound edges and just line them up over guards on second and long and third down because it's an easier pass to the quarterback. And the assumption is that an edge rusher skill set will be to guards more often than not, and certainly will be better equipped than a 300 pound defensive tackle. Like that's fine. There is a place for that um, at the next level of football. And then I'm looking and I watch him when he's on the edge. And to me, I think, and I think I wrote this and it's not to be, again, it's not to be insulting. It's like, it would be generous to me to say that he's a project as a pass rusher when we talk about repertoire. He does not well, have it's pass not rush moves. It's not just that. He not only lacks moves, this dude is just pure bull rush. Yes. He lacks bend. Right. So it's like, okay, you need moves and you need certain athletic traits right. to, like to do that. And I say that as someone who thinks he could totally be efficient useful right for nfl teams um playing on the inside you know and, and depending on the scheme but yeah i mean that's there's definitely some limitations there especially when you start talking about him in the context of some of the like a nolan smith like right. if they're in the, like who is clearly an edge rusher and exactly the, we never we never yeah. talk about edge rushers in this context but like you got to treat him almost like a, a mid-round mid-first round quarterback it's like, we're not really planning on playing this guy right now. Mm. We're going to sit him behind a veteran, let him learn what it's like to be an NFL-level pass rush pass rusher. When he plays, you know, it's going to be because either someone's hurt or we got a package for the guy where he doesn't have to think about a whole lot. And we'll just kind of let him build his own skill set from there. That's that's one of the reasons why I've liked, like, Tampa Bay for him in terms of a place to, like, to mock him to because they obviously have a lot of value on guys that are as explosive as he is. And that's one of the things that I think can't be lost in that. He has legitimate speed, legit some legit agility skills, right? Like, as terms of, like, testing numbers, if you're setting those thresholds, all that stuff is there. It just has not translated um, to yeah. the football field yet. And he's pretty new to the sport. So, you know, maybe he gets to the league and something clicks and he hits in year two, year three, and you might end up getting, like, by value, maybe the best edge rush pick of the class. It's just not there yet. Yeah, I want to. I want to 
I, I kind of skipped right to the criticisms. There are things about him, like he is. He, like, Dude is jacked. He is strong and he is fast, man. Yeah. Like when he. Uh, when he does win, his closing speed is nuts combined yeah. with his power. And um, I think he's good in run defense too, by the yep. way. He's a very good um, run So I, it really is about value in place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like this is this is probably the most coach brain thing I'm going to say on your podcast. But like watching him block punts, I'm like, oh, there's the speed, you know? I'm like, there's the speed. If we can get you That's to funny. use that as a pass rusher, we've got something. But yeah. you can see it like on special teams, it's like, okay, and it gets back to what I was saying. On special teams, you really only got to win at one particular thing, right? You have a very mm. particular role. So he can kind of cut loose in that way. So, you know, maybe it's he's one of those guys where the NFL just shoots, just suits him better um, long term than what we saw from him in college. Um, but I would say that, you know, what he is in terms of raw athlete and the, the lengths I think he's going to have to go to build himself to be a high-level edge rusher is why I have him third um, of the three that we mentioned. Of three, yeah. Mm-hmm. So bouncing back to the top, you had Nolan Smith first. Yeah. I think Smith is an interesting one because I think he was a guy who, you know, in, in his college reputation was kind of like a roller coaster, frankly, and then he was really injured last year. Yeah. Coming into this draft process, I think people were like, yeah, you know, he did. He produced a lot in Georgia. He has some really good tape, but he's a tweener. Yeah. Then he goes and just destroys the NFL Combine. Right, four point three nine forty, I believe. So he is six foot five, no, six foot three. Sorry, mm-hmm. tweener, and two hundred thirty-five pounds. So it's kind of one of those things, and we're gonna talk about Cansey as well. Where if you're a tween, if you're small. You have to be an exceptional athlete for people yes. to take you seriously. And Nolan Smith is yes. an exception. And by the way, all that combine stuff, it's funny because I, I watched him a lot because Georgia, you know, so yeah. this is one of those guys where it's not like, you know, um, uh, Kalijah actually, who I didn't right. acknowledge, frankly. <laughs> but after the combine, I went back and watched it again. And it, I, feel bad because it's like that i was like kind of biasing myself being like whoa this guy's a crazy athlete right he, he, and it wasn't just the 40 it's a bunch of stuff then you go back and it's just all over the tape yes it, it. and the funny thing is and again i don't want to start off with criticism but the funny thing about the speed is like you see it in so many ways with him that's like not exactly pass rush <laughs> but it's very clearly part yes. of what makes him a successful football player. Right? Yeah. Like the ball gets out on the perimeter and I'm like, dude, you were on the far hash. How did you beat everybody else to the ball here? This, this doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, you see him as a spy and, and chasing quarterbacks yeah. down. You see him drop into coverage. And this is, um, you know, we've been joking around um, in the, you know, quote unquote group chat that, that I have. Like if this is an off ball linebacker, I'm definitely taking this guy in the first round. When yeah. you look at his motor, the way that he takes on blocks, um, you know, how physical a run defender he is, how good of a tackler he is. Um, he's an extremely smart player. That's another thing that jumps off the film is you do not fool this guy. And if you do, you're probably only going to get one chance at it. And he's going to have you figured out after. Um, I, I think that the speed, having the speed that he does, having the explosiveness that he does, makes me more willing to take a chance on that guy in that kind of 25 to 35 range. If the other pass rushers I might be in love with are off the board and I don't want to take on a project like a BJ Ojolari, um, you know, who I think needs some time, I would be really comfortable with him in that range. The only issue is that it is hard to me 
it is hard to me to make a case that you can guarantee high-level pass rush production from him because he's small and being small, it's not like Hassan Reddick where he can kind of bend, you know? He's not mm. some elite, you know, ghost rush move type of guy. He can turn a corner on you, and if he beats you off the ball, you're not touching the guy. Like, he is yes. genuinely explosive, and he is genuinely flexible. So it's not that he's stiff. You just don't see the, you know, that kind of dip and rip move where you can yeah. stretch your surface area the way that you would like to see for a guy his size. Yeah, a lot of his, his wins are just insane get-off, insane bend, you know, and the guy doesn't get hands on him yeah. and then he's just so fast. And yeah. also, you know, he, I, I think, you know, he's obviously lowered to the ground. Um, that it, it, I think that it is, a, okay. It's like, all right, well, if it, what happens, you know, yep. when, when, when he has to, when it's um, NFL three fifteen, not just SEC fight back. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause he's so fast that like sometimes he overshoots, but then he's got like great change of direction. So he mm-hmm. can flip his hips and, Catch yes. quarterback when they when they climb the pocket, which is something I really love. That combination of the the speed and the change of direction, and like yeah. talked about him chasing dudes down. It was Bryce Young who he chased down at one point. Bryce Young, who's like my size, you know, <laughs> and six foot three, Nolan Smith just she, like, you know like right. You you can even see Young thinking like, oh, I got him right. Yes. Like I'm gonna hit him with a little hezzy, and I'm yeah. gonna turn the corner, yeah, and you no. can't because no. he's so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, He's he's also like very good at run defense. You know, if they if, if a tackle can really latch on, he can get in trouble. Yeah. But he plays so hard. Yeah, I like him a lot. I he's he's been a grower for me in mm-hmm. this process a lot. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, the combine really did affect me. He had a ten foot eight broad job. Like it's sick. The the numbers um, are sickening. Um, yeah, How often they're do insane. We see edge rushers run 140 and then just check out for the rest of the day. Like that's not a position where you usually see something like that. Um, and like you said, yeah. I mean, the run defense thing—that's the thing that I love about that. I really love about the guy is that he's not easily moved off his spot. Now, NFL tackles outside dealing with outside zone from a Trent Williams—that's a yeah. different proposition. You know, that's a lot more speed and weight on you (laughs) coming your way. Um, But the fact that he is as tough as he is. And then like you're like you were saying, his flexibility and change of direction skills is probably going to allow him to slip by blocks. So if he plays it right, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fatal flaw of his as a run defender because the motor is so high and the football IQ is as high as it is. There are a lot of ways where he can be a very productive um, pass rusher, edge defender, I should say, in general. Um, The the guy that I was thinking about um, was like a Leonard Floyd, you know. Mm. Maybe you don't get a ton of sacks out of the guy, but you know that he plays hard as hell. He's going to set an edge for you, and he can do a bunch for your defense, right? You can run a bunch of twists and stunts with the guy. You can move him around. You can drop him into coverage, and he can do so uh, comfortably. That would be, I think, a good role for him. And I think that his ceiling is probably higher even than what Floyd's is. Um, so that would be the sales pitch for me if you're looking for a guy like Nolan Smith. And that's probably why I have him first in that group. So the last guy we're talking about in depth from the edge group is Miles Murphy, who is crazy athlete. Yep. Start there. Um, so out of Clemson, by the way. Sorry, I skipped that. Also ran an incredibly fast 40. Yep, like he four is... Crazy, um, big, strong, fast, 
Again, surprisingly tiny hands, but everything else is cool. Does he have tiny hands? <laughs> yes, I, I, think I didn't he has know like that. Kenny Pickett sized hands, like eight, eight and a half inches or something like that. Well, you don't really use them. True. <laughs> Uh, and that's the biggest stink on uh, uh, criticism I have of him. It, it, but I mean, I guess we, we it's funny because like none of the edge rushers actually are really like sophisticated pass rushers. Right. I actually think the defensive tackles are more yes, sophisticated to, more so. to the top two we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, Miles Murphy has a long arm. That's about it. Yep. Long arm and bull rush. Let me say this. It is a strong long arm. Yes. He will. He will lift you. Um, I, you know, like this is a team just loving this. I think would be a team him going high, just loving the physical profile. It's an archetype Um, thing. If if you're picking him high, it's an archetype thing. Hey, you know, uh, I was talking to Nate about the same thing. I was like, look, dude, from before the time that we were born, 6'5", 270 with 34-inch arms has literally been an archetype for defensive end, like, forever. You know, that has been the Mm 4'3", prototypical end for as long as a 4'3 has been around. And he checks off all the boxes, and he is a legitimately explosive athlete. Like, if you gave... Miles Murphy's get off to Tyree Wilson, you would probably have a a Miles Garrett level of pass rush pass rusher probably, you know, because he yeah. does get off the ball so well. That four five one that he ran at his pro day is legitimate when you turn on the tape and you're watching him in that way. The issue is that he is stiff as a board, right? Like you're not gonna get bend from him. You're not getting that high level of um flexibility. And that he does not have a bunch of hand fighting moves, right? He's not a guy that is going to give you your inside counters. He's not a guy that's going to set up a spin move. You know, he's not going to have your clubs, your dips, your rips, and all of that. And it can be developed to a certain point. Um, And because of his physical ability, I think that if it worked out, if you were able to develop any one of those kind of counter moves, it would make him a much more effective pass rusher. But the fact that he doesn't, and then you look at him, you look at the measurables, and then you go to the production side, and it's like, it's just not there. That's where it's really hard to square. It's like, when it works you walk away from the tape like, well, why don't you have 14 sacks? How are you not killing quarterbacks, you know, in the ACC all the time? And I think that that comes back to the lack of refinement. So that there's an argument to be made that you would probably rather have really any of these three guys as like second round prospects, but edge rushers get inflated now, you know, and because the, I think this class has a legitimate drop off after this top five, You're probably going to see this guy in the late teens, early 20s at the absolute, you know, worst, I think. So there's a way for him to be a pretty good run defender. He probably tops out as like a secondary rusher for you. And I guess you would like to have that if you have a pick late in the first round and you've got other things checked off. And we're assuming that if you're picking, you're probably a contending or near contending team in that range. Anyways, he's a nice guy to have. I just don't think that his um, his ceiling would bring you what you would need back from like an elite pass rush talent. Yeah, I, I threw so I threw like I said, McDonald, Ojulari, and Keon White in this last category. Those are all guys that I've seen going mm-hmm. first in the first round on various boards. Um, all of them, I think, like I, 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 I like I view them in, as a tier below the guys we were just talking about, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess of the three, Will McDonald intrigues me. Yep. Because the uh, <laughs> Iowa State defense is so 
it's silly football. It's we a three man it. front. So it. it's three, four, I think three man fronts and three high safeties. It's not real football. You, you watch a guy who still managed to get a decent amount of production more so in 2021 in this defense and who shows, I think a lot of enticing traits, speed, flexibility, um, and you think, okay, well, what if I put him in like a real defense and mm-hmm. like gave him a more shots to actually get after the quarterback? Uh, he's a little bit old. He's on the older side. Yeah. I read somewhere. Uh, but I think of the three, he's probably the one that intrigues me the most. Well, the funny thing to me is like I, I judge him on the same spectrum I judge like Nolan Smith. And it's like, well, McDonald, mm-hmm. I think, is a little bit more refined as a pass rusher. Well, I think that the tape bears that out that I think he's a little bit more skilled as a pure pass rusher. The motor is good. He is on the smaller side. Like you said, I mean, you spent a lot of time playing defensive tackle in that defense with, like, the lightest of light boxes, you know, and he fought pretty hard. You know, you're not going – I don't think you're going to get elite run defense from the guy. I don't think that's his ceiling, but he's probably serviceable. And if you miss out on a guy like Nolan Smith and you liked him, this is probably the best consolation prize that would be available in the mm-hmm. draft. Um, for a guy that kind of fits that mold, BJ Ojolari is interesting, but he's like a project. He's a baby to start with. Like he's like 21 years old and yeah. I think doesn't turn 22. So Murphy, by the way. Yes. Murphy's really young. I should, so, you know, these are really young guys. Positive. So, Hey, you know, positive in the fact that there's development time. Um, you know, I was listening to you talk with JT, um, and, and he makes a good point. Like, Hey, age is really only as important as what you actually develop out of the player you know, what their ceiling actually is. Plenty of young guys come in and don't become any better than what they already are. So, you know, you want to bank not too much on that and more on like what you think of the skill set. And Ojolari has a decent motor. There are some, the things that he does to win, I think translates to the NFL. He's not ready to be an NFL level run defender yet, I don't think. Um, And I think that, you know, he's got to add some weight to his frame to really be a a legitimate edge when you watch the way that he can get moved off his spot yeah. times that he might end up on the ground, right? It's like, okay, your play strength isn't exactly where it needs to be it's, yet to be an NFL player. It's funny contrast with the final guy, Keon White, who's yes, like just a like tank, a fire hydrant. <laughs> not a lot of flexibility. No. Not a lot of bend, but he will steamroll He'll strike a guy. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. A guy. he is a big dude. So... Uh, I think all three of these guys, it, it's like timeline, preference, how are you going to mm-hmm. use them, how much do you need them, all that stuff. So we'll see. I have no feel for which of them will go in the first round. Um, but I imagine because they're edge rushers and because his class is a bit lacking, yeah, one of them probably will. So that'll be interesting to see. All right, let's take a quick break, come back, talk about those aforementioned defensive tackles who are have better hands. <laughs> Why should you bet with Caesars Sportsbook? Two words, Caesars Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just a nap, it's an empire. 21 and older must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states were prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800- 
1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-277-117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P dot com slash Mina Show, M I N A S H O W. Jalen Carter. I mean, I think is the most talented player in the draft. I do want to talk about, like, before we get into the football side, the, the thing I don't like about. Or let me. One of the problems I have with the Jalen Carter discourse, or one of the things that I think makes it hard to talk about him, is I think there are like legitimate concerns and questions and things to talk about, and then there's the usual draft crap. Yes, and I think it's all getting stirred together in one pot that just has this label that says off the field, mm-hmm. but like being involved in a deadly hit and run is very different from anonymous scout saying you take plays off like i and i hate the fact that this all gets smashed together um into one big thing so uh i guess i'll start off by saying the thing the serious stuff is totally i understand why teams are looking into that and asking him about that and hoping he shows some accountability for that and then there's also you know bull yeah, there, there's a lot There's a lot of BS that gets swirled into that. Like you said, I mean, that's my least favorite part of the draft process is that somehow, like, all of that has to be taken as, like, equally weighted yeah. data points when it's really not that way. And even with, obviously, with the seriousness of the, you know, the, the deadly crash that happened with his teammates and, and one of the staff members for the UGA football program, um, I think that we probably are still talking about him a little bit less um, gingerly if the combination of the press press availability at the combine and then the way he looked at the pro day doesn't happen. Like if you eliminate yeah. one of those two things, 
Um, I think that we were probably like, okay, we'll sort out, you know, if it doesn't rise to the level of a felony as far as like his involvement um, with the racing or anything like that, if they don't find him culpable for anything else and he wasn't under the influence, like, dude, that's a really dumb decision. You're going to yes. have to answer for that. You know, it does it does reflect poorly on your decision making. Um, and that's something that you'll have to repair on your own as far as an image thing. But then to come out at the pro day and I'm like, oh, dude, you don't look like you've really been on the field since this Which, thing happened. I'm Alan? not mad at Hey, I'm not mad at <laughs> well, it. I mean, like, you know, if you're kind of dealing with stuff, but yeah, I think it, it, you know. it's that. But then there was also all the smoke about, like, you know, how much does he really love football? Care about football. Whatever, so. Yeah. Which and, is funny because you, know, you turn on the tape and I'm like, where are these like motor issues <laughs> that yeah, you guys right. are talking about? Now, that said, I do think... You know, when 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 teams, especially when they invest high draft picks, it is not it's not dissimilar from like hiring yep. a CEO right, or like a yep. very C-suite. high profile. Mm-hmm. It's totally reasonable for them to care about things like personality. Right. I mean, in the same way that it matters that Nolan Smith's entire team loses their minds at everything he does, right. <laughs> he appears to be the most loved human to ever walk <laughs> yes. um, the halls of Georgia football. It also matters if, you know, people like coaches, teammates, whatever, have criticisms of him. Now, I think there's the distinction I want to draw is I can see why those things matter to teams, but I think it's irresponsible for me, who doesn't know Jack about that, to to say anything about it. So I guess that's what I want to say about the whole, like... Off the field bucket, non mm-hmm. you know crime bucket right. is I I'm not disputing that those things do matter. They do right. matter. I just don't know about them, exactly. so I'm not going to weigh in on them. And I'm not in a position to act like I can change the way that I evaluate the guy because I'm not privy to the information I would yeah. need to be to change how I feel about him. Now on the field, oh my god, let's go! All right, <laughs> oh my god, I think he's the most talented player in the draft. I'll Same. Same. I, I do too. Um, and it's like complete package as a defensive tackle, yeah. right? Like that's that's the part that kind of blows me away where I'm looking at this guy and it's like, oh, this is like having Ndamukong Sue in a class all over again. You know, yeah. like think about Prime Sue, you know, where he's still where he's as explosive as he was initially in his career. He's got great hands, takes on double teams well, can play as a two-gap guy if you need him to. A genuine pass rusher, somebody who finishes on the ball. Like you look at uh, a, the type of player that can truly affect the game without lo- before he logs any stats. Carter is 100% that, and you get pass rush production out of the guy, so you don't have to take him off the field. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's the physical traits will start there because there's the physical traits and then there's the pass rush side of it. Mm-hmm. And I really believe he's a better pass rusher than like, a lot of the edge rushers we were yeah. talking about. Um, the physical side of it, I think what jumps out is just like the rare combination of things because you have a right. guy who's both his lower half, like he is an unmovable rock. Yep who also has overwhelming upper body strength and hands yes. that I I just, the, the sheer amount of force he's able to generate with his, once he latches on, it is over. It's over. So you have all that, and then you couple it with the fact that he has incredible balance, which is so important mm-hmm. at, at that three-tech position, and then... A rare change of direction ability mm-hmm. combined with that strength 
right. and get off and all of it. It's such a unique and hard to find combination of physical traits and it leaps off the tape. And that's why I think that I, I can't see a version, if we're just talking about on field for Carter, that fails. You know, like yeah. you look at like you look at someone like a Kalaji Kansi, right? And I think that a lot of his plays are splash plays, and that's what draws people in is because you get to see like the avoid, the swim move, arm overs, and the slants and stuff like that. I think some of it is, by the way, because the edge rushers all have kind of a little yes. bit lacking, and yes. then you turn on his tape and you <laughs> see a guy who's got a like a, a, already right. got the swim move, and so you're like, oh, okay, like, right. So yeah. you take that, you take what Kansi does best, and then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to add 50 pounds to that. I'm going to add like 30 pounds to that, you know, and make this guy a really good run defender. So that's the thing is like the repertoire that he has to go with his athletic gifts, it's it's uncanny at that position. You know, it, yeah. it's really rare that you come across that. And even in a class that has several quarterbacks that we're talking about potentially going top 10, top 12 several edge rushers that can make the uh that can make an argument for going in the same range it's telling to me that a defensive tackle a three technique is the best of the bunch and the one that i probably feel like you know in you know in a pinch if i had to only pick one to be successful or be an all pro player it's going to be him because i i just don't see many holes in his game the way he bounces between gaps at 310 pounds Shouldn't happen. It should not happen. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, but, but, but are there any dings? I mean, I guess um, I'm, I'm looking at the notes of like the games where I was like a little bit like, eh, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, let's talk about the national championship, right? I mean, I, right. I, I know he was playing through injuries through some of the season. Right. Um, I think what kind of more jumps out is that there were ga- there are many games where offenses have clearly game planned to try to take him out of the game, whether yes. it's two double teams running away mm-hmm. from them. And there are games where offenses succeed at that. Yes. Uh, because it's a concerted game plan to just remove him from the equation. Right. I mean, and then that just comes down to like, how much of a ding is it for you? Right. Like, or, you know, making the argument of, well, if you can avoid, if a guy like that can be avoided, or if you can game plan your way around a guy like that, is he a number one overall prospect type? I think that when you take, if you take all of those and put them in their own bucket, right, that's its own thing to evaluate. How does he play when teams are running like jet sweeps and wide zones and bubble screens and everything to get the ball as far away from the box as they can and quick passes and all of that. That was a big thing with TCU, too, in the national championship game. Like there are times where you can you're watching film and you're like, all right, this is like the sixth play in a row that has ended up outside the hash. Like this is clearly by design. You guys don't want to deal with what's happening on the interior. Um, So if you're going to complain, if people are going to um, hoist complaints at him because he's not getting to the ball the way that a Nolan Smith would, okay, you know, I I guess I have to take that in kind somewhat. I'll find, you know, how you weigh that is how you weigh that. But when we're evaluating teams are running duo, inside zone, counter right at him, how is he dealing with base blocks, with down blocks, with double teams? You know, with teams running outside zone at him, how is he dealing with getting these stretch blocks and things like that? He has no problem handling any one of those things. And it's not like, you know, it's not like you're getting a low football IQ player. This is somebody who seems to have a pretty good understanding of his skill set, what offenses are going to try to do to him based on where he's at and how he needs to respond. And that's where the scheme versatility comes in. You know, you might 
get a defensive tackle that has an elite skill set in one particular way, but he'd only work in a four down defense or he'd only work in a three, four, right? Like there's, that can come up in conversations. But when I watch him play as a four eye, so he's lined up on the inside shoulder of the tackle, taking on double teams or taking on zone blocks, and he's got to play a gap and a half. When when you hear NFL coaches talk about that, his tape yeah. is plenty example of that. You know, and and like you said, with striking guys and that strength, it is notable to me that all these SEC offensive linemen, every time they get struck by Jalen Carter, you see head snap back. I'm looking, you know, chins to the sky because when he puts his hands on you, man, you're moving off your spot. When he wants to move you, you're being moved. Um, so you're not going to have any problems or any negatives to me on the key fundamental aspects of what would make him an effective defensive tackle. And again, this is still before we're really even talking about what he gives you as a pass rusher. I think it's very telling. You like you were talking about how de- uh, you know defense coordinator could just say, "All right, you're gonna play gap and half," right? Like when we were talking about all the edge rushers, we were like, "Okay, and maybe in this scheme, and then maybe he's you know you like maybe in a five man front, they could use him, they can move him inside and stuff, package, whatever." Like Jalen Carter, I think is. I mean, I think Will Anderson is. You can slot him into different defenses, but Carter is unique in that, similarly to like you know the Rams with Aaron Ronald during the Super Bowl year, you can design a defense around, around his skill set rather really. than fitting him into a defense. Right. And that is uh, pretty special and pretty unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's not much else to talk about. He's clear. Number one, I have can see is clear. Number two. Um, I guess the way I'll put it, I think the right way to frame a discussion around him is he is six foot flat and yeah. 280 pounds is he athletic enough and polished enough as a pass rusher to overcome that in the NFL? So um, we alluded to the pass rush moves that are all over the tape. Statistically, I mean, just the Sports Info Solutions, there's, he, he finished first in pressure rate plus minus, quick pressure rate. His 14% just general pressure rate was first. Pressures per game, TFLs per game, et cetera, right? Um, when you watch his tape, he, he is just, he is so quick. Yes. Flying by guards. Snap. He yeah. is just getting, yeah, shooting gaps before anyone even has a chance. And I think, and by the way, his height helps him in some ways because he's yes. just such a little, and no, I little mean, gremlin. It is, it is um, stark when you look at like the mock draftable charts or wherever you yeah. get your percentile uh, measurables. Oh, and it's like, it like zero. Yes. <laughs> like I'm looking at the percentile and it's yeah. like, oh, zero. Like we're not even yeah. talking like bottom 10. This is genuinely like you are one of the smallest ever to play your position that would be an NFL player. So all, there's all these things he's really good at, but the size would be an extreme aberration. Right. Um, I guess my question for you is, do you think he is good enough, athletic enough? He destroyed the combine. I don't have right. the numbers, but he absolutely shredded it. I don't mm-hmm. even remember. The fourth I think we're like a four, crazy, six, seven or something like six, that. Something insane. Yeah. So kind of like what I was saying earlier with um, how, like, if you're a tweener, it was Nolan Smith, right? You, yeah. have, to, you have to be so good. Kalashi Kansi is... is. He so is. athletic, and yes. he, he does. His tape is great. Does he make sense in the NFL? Like, do, or I, let me rephrase that. Like, do you think mm. is it enough to make you overcome the very legitimate concerns because of his size? If Deontay Lee is the GM of a team, 
I cannot turn in a card where I'm bringing in the smallest defensive tackle. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can do that personally. Um, and maybe that's my own, like, taste in what I think makes for, like, um, what works at the next level more often than not. It's just, it's such a high bar to clear. This is not, the one thing I want to be clear about, like, again, you take the helmet stickers off of it. Obviously, Aaron Donald went to pit too. Like, Aaron Donald is a different kind of animal. For being an undersized defensive tackle right like and he has all these different ways to win which is why his size is not an issue you know being shorter being a little bit lighter than what you would typically see from defensive tackles his repertoire is full so he has a thousand different ways to beat blocks right he can he can shoot gaps he can strike guys and shut them he can you know work a move with can't see so much of it like it feels like spamming a move like in a fighting game, you know, like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter or something like that. Just like, oh, arm, gap shoot, arm over if a guy arm touches over, you, yeah. you know, you're in the backfield. Cool. That's awesome. Let's see something, anything else. And there's really not a lot else. So having a signature move is nice. Um, but if we're talking about having to deal with the variety of things you're going to deal with at the NFL level, and the fact that NFL level guards can move too, that's where I'm like, I don't know how high we actually stack you with the rest of the defensive class. Yeah, I think it's value is kind of the thing. Because if we were, let's say we weren't talking about him as like a top 20 pick, let's say he was being talked about as second rounder, I'd be like, boom, Mina Kanzi GM yeah. is running to that yeah. podium because I'm going to find ways to use him. Um, you know, maybe my defensive line is already has some depth and he's like the final piece. Right. Um, hey, maybe you kick him out to edge if you pick him like in the second round. I might give you a couple shots on the edge since you are fast, you know. Six foot, 285. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, I it's going to be one where the, I, I think the way I'll put it is this. I do think the athleticism and the pass rush success are too enticing to totally pass on right who he plays next to is going to go a long hey, way towards yeah. determining his success in the nfl what so i think it's just like teams being very like self-scouting and mm -hmm. saying okay who do we have on this defensive line i think that's probably why you're seeing him mock to the eagles so much 10 seems rich but um yeah. because that line already has so many dudes mm -hmm. on it i think people think you know correctly right like oh my god him and jordan davis would be so funny standing yes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I just want it for that. Yes. But that's to me, that's the real difficulty, right? Is like how many teams yeah. just out of hand are just going to dismiss the entire notion of picking a guy like that because of where you would have to slot him into your defensive front. Like you yeah. said, if once we get outside of the conversation of the first round, you can do anything with the defensive tackle that's a speed rush gap shoot guy on obvious passing downs. You know, he would be a great guy to have to set up your twists in your stunts or just let him kind of tear off against a guard. There's obviously a, a clear pathway for him to succeed in that way. It's just like you are going to be gritting your teeth on every other play that is not like deep, deep pocket drop back pass where he's going to be able to take advantage of, um, you know, his speed and athleticism. And yet, I view him as the clear number two of the defensive tackles. Um, it's not the strongest that, class. It's not that strong. You're looking at Brian Brissy out of uh, Clemson, who is Brissy, who, who's very, very athletic, who, mm -hmm. who like 
if they could just switch bodies, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really is. He is like lacking in all of the things we just talked about with with Cansey, mm-hmm. but he, he's got the size. He plays hard. He does play hard. Um, you know, not the, not the most productive. I think that. Um, in a lot of ways, you're kind of, with Brissy. You're probably drafting the idea of Brissy more than you are the player that you're going to get yeah. right in the door. Um, but he's one of those kind of jack of all trades, master of nuns on the defensive interior. Like probably nice to have in your rotation, but also probably not going to be a high level producer for you. Mozzie Smith is interesting for me out of Michigan. If you're just looking for like a true nose, um, and you play. It depends on the type of defense, but mm-hmm. if you're, you know, at one of those two high defenses, I could right. see him being a useful player. But you know, I, I, I pass rush is not going to get. It's not there. Yeah, Keanu Benton um, is, you know, kind of interesting. He's yeah. another kind of jack of all trades type. You know, pretty agile for a guy his size. Doesn't have the most play strength in the world. You're going to have questions about what kind of run defender you're getting in him, and whether or not what he gives you as a pass rusher would justify what you might be giving up a run defense. So like you said, I mean, there's just a lot up in the air with like the non Carter guys on the defensive interior. So while we are not super high in the defensive tackle class, you and I are both very high on this group of cornerbacks. Um, I think alongside the running backs and tight ends, the strongest position group in this draft. Um, That said, there's a emerging what I believe to be a very clear top two. Mm-hmm. And those two corners are Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois and Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Um, they are very, 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 very different yes. corners. Um, the, what do you think of this? The way I would describe them, and I mean this as a positive for both of them, mm-hmm. is Devin Witherspoon, who's 5'11 and 180 pounds, plays bigger than his size. Yeah. And Christian Gonzalez, who's six foot two and two hundred one pounds, plays smaller than his size, and I mean that as a compliment because he has the smoothness yeah. and feet of a much smaller man. Whereas Devin Witherspoon, somehow, it, like he has the physicality and his ability to like play the catch point of a much bigger player. Yeah, I mean, like blind taste test, if you just took the descriptions of each player's measurables and then lined up play style, I don't think that what people would come back with is that Christian Gonzalez plays the ways that he does and Devin Witherspoon plays the way yeah. that he does. Like that, that definitely, I mean, with Christian Gonzalez in particular, like when I started seeing that people were listing him as 6'2", 200 when he was at Oregon, I was like, are you sure? Like, he looks like a tall corner. But I, I guess looking at a guy cross that, you know, that 200-pound threshold or in the neighborhood of that 200-pound threshold, you think of a very particular kind of big corner, right? You think of, like, yeah. Brandon Browner, bully, you know, type of player. Um, and Ramsey. Right, that side, you know, yeah. like. And then you think about Devin Witherspoon, and it's like, okay, I would think that he's more of a, oh, he can play in the slide. He can play a little bit outside, you know, more of a technician, probably wins by, you know, just um, being really smooth and beating guys to the spot. And there is there are elements of that in Witherspoon's game, but he is definitely much more of the in-your-face bully type of corner. And I think Gonzalez is a little bit more of a technician, which is kind of an interesting 100%. difference of, of play styles based on size. It does feel like at this point, a week out from the draft, um, mocks have kind of coalesced around Witherspoon mm-hmm. going over Gonzalez. I don't disagree 
Devante. Uh, uh, Devante, jeez. <laughs> Sorry, edit that out. <laughs> okay. I don't disagree, Deontay. Um, I've Witherspoon is like my draft crush. I'll just I'll just mm-hmm. flat out say it. He is my favorite player to watch yeah. in this entire draft. He is so fun. Um, I think you can make a case for Gonzalez over him as an upside case yeah. because of the athleticism and the size. And I I wouldn't hate that either. But Witherspoon, he is both the tapes the tape. Mm-hmm. And the stats yes. say he's the number one corner. You know what I right. mean? Like, so statistically, I mean, he, it's insane. Like, he is just uh, a lot of QBR of five mm-hmm. in this class. That's the best. Extremely so productive. Was, you, know, you know, when the ball's in first the air. in per target, first in PBUs per game, um, first in zone coverage yards per. I mean, it's insane. And then when you watch him, it's like he plays harder than anyone on the field. Yes. So, and it's not just that, by the way, it's not just like the highlights. You know, when I first heard of him, I saw some highlights of him, I think blitzing, I forget which quarterback, but they use him that way. And then blowing up some runs and blowing up screens. Yeah. But it's like, he does all that. Oh, and by the way, he has phenomenal feet. Yes. And he can mirror guys in man coverage and he's rarely out of position. Like I, other than his size, and I would say his slightness more than his height. Yeah. I just don't think there are negatives with them. No, I'm, frankly, I, I mean, for a guy who's like sub one hundred ninety pounds, he is like he tackles on a level that like borders on reckless for his size. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. But he is willing to show up, you know. Obviously, you know, the big play, I think, against Indiana early in the season where they try to throw that bubble screen or swing screen. And he, like, almost decapitates the poor running back or receiver for it. Um, But I think that that's a good encapsulation of, like, the physicality that he's willing to play with. Um, You've posted the clips. It's maybe, like some of my favorite clips of any of the players that I've watched <laughs> where a guy will run like a five yard in route or a slant and he's just 100% sitting on it. And he's just like shoving receivers to the ground or, you know, playing through receivers to the ball to break it up. Um, and I think that that speaks not only to his physicality, but his feel for the game to go with some of his movement skills, right? Like he, mm. he is a very smooth mover. He can play off the ball. He can play at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that for as physical as he is, he is pretty wise about how to use it, right? Like he, you don't see him lunging for guys. He's not a very grabby corner and press coverage or, you know, rerouting guys as a zone defender. And that's a big plus too. Um, and then you talk about the ball production, right? He can right? he can play at the highest point. He can take, you know, a receiver's hands off the ball if he needs to. He's a certain he's a sure and certain tackler when he's out in space. So you feel good about him, I think, in all ways, which is why I'm not really protesting the fact that he could be the number one cornerback in this class. Um, you know, with Gonzalez, I think that, you know, we'll kind of get to him. What he does differently is just being a pure technician, right? He looks like every Instagram drill you'll ever see of a DB. Right, like all the the hip movement and the ankle mobility and changing directions and all that, he's great with that. But what Witherspoon brings you is almost like that Chauncey Gardner Johnson element when he was in New Orleans, right? Like he's not just a big talker. The part the part that's going to make him very frustrating for receivers is that he's really willing to be physical too, and I think that that also lends itself to some versatility for him. I think that he will be a guy that you can genuinely move around to mirror wherever the best receiver is going if he hits and he's the best version of himself. 
Yeah, he is. It's fine because we were talking about this with the defensive lineman. Any scheme, right? It's fine. Like I mean, you know, I talked about how good he is in man coverage in zone. He is so smart. Yes. Um, you know, he's got such a good um, awareness of route concepts. He's so good at reading quarterbacks mm-hmm. and um, and also timing. You know, his back. Like he's just a very advanced player. Right. Frankly, I think. It's it, Gonzalez is interesting because oh god the Mariners lost again. Ugh. Um, <laughs> the um, everything I talk about this, like there are a lot of dings on Gonzalez's game. Actually, right. like I you know he does make mistakes. Statistically, this is reflected. Mm-hmm. Um, the ball protection did come later. I'll talk about that in a second. And he's not as advanced in in a few respects, but his movement abilities are rare right. at his size. And I think when you're talking about a player who's ascending in a lot of respects and he already has those physical attributes, again, I can completely see why a team would take him with like a top 10, 15, whatever pick. We'll see where he goes um, because the upside is really, really, really high with this guy. I agree. I think like when you look at Gonzalez, his best clips is where you really get to see that fluidity, right? Like he's when he flips. Yes. The way he can flip his hips and then, you know, relocate a receiver, you know, the time is it. And it is, it's a frustration of mine sometimes watching him. I'm like, dude, you're six, two with long arms, please bully someone. I think that he gets a little bit too comfortable using his feet first, which is fine. I think it's something that can be improved upon, but it is a bit of a frustration or it leaves a bit of a hole in his game that keeps him from being as complete or as advanced as you mentioned that like Witherspoon is. The the ball production did come late, obviously transferred from Colorado to Oregon. And then this past year has really been kind of like the big breakout for him. But when I look at him and I'm looking for, you know, an upside swing, right? If I'm looking for a guy who can maybe mm-hmm. be a longtime all pro if everything goes right, this goes back to like physical archetypes. And this is like all across the draft, right? It's like these people who, you know, these prospects who maybe don't check off all the boxes size wise, obviously quarterback, that's been a conversation this entire time with Bryce Young. But you have these guys that maybe don't meet every archetype physically, but their play style is exactly what you need to see in the NFL. And then these guys mm-hmm. who are maybe big faster stronger um that you would like to have you know or that you think of as your prototypical early picks and they do have some holes in their game i I think that for me the thing with gonzalez that bothers me if there is anything it's the fact that he is shy physically you know the fact that he can give up some big plays because he's not always the most disciplined and it's something that i think he's going to have to iron out because he does have too much talent i think to have some of the minor slip-ups in his game that we see in his tape it's wild like witherspoon is three inches shorter than and him a good 20 pounds and weirdly <laughs> Yeah, weirdly, like, Gonzalez, I could see in the slot more mm-hmm. early in his NFL, which is crazy, but um, it kind of goes back to what I said at the very beginning about the, the size. Like, I meant it as a compliment for Gonzalez, right. but there's also a negative, which he plays smaller than his size, right. you alluded to. I, I do think bigger, stronger NFL receivers, like, I don't know, like a Mike Evans, will would have problems. get the better. I mean, you watch the Drake and, London game when he was at Colorado and Drake yes. London's at USC, and it's like, dude, you're just getting dunked on. You're too big to be getting dunked on like this. But but then that said, he's six foot two, and I'm like, yeah, this dude can come yes, with a slot receiver. Right. With the quicks. And like, it's, it's so it's really interesting. Um, it might just be a thing where, like, you know, he just needs a little bit more development. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ball production stuff's really interesting because. 
like like at Colorado, he basically had like stone hands. Right. <laughs> and then um at Oregon, not only did he like have some picks, they were impressive. Some impressive picks, like outside <laughs> of your typical catch radius, yeah. acrobatic yeah. catches. So Again, that's kind of like the just sort of goes with the overall case for him, which is I think he's a player who's getting better. Right. And I guess that would be the thing on Witherspoon is like he played he's played a lot of football right. and he like wasn't as good earlier in his career. But I like both these players a lot. I'll just say that um, I like them both for a number of teams mm-hmm. picking in in that top half of the draft, and I would be pretty happy if I was a team to get either of them. Uh, do you have Joey Porter Jr. as your number three? I actually I have a tie. It's I know it is like such a cop out to have a tie at three, but I have a tie between him and Deontay Banks. Okay, I would say that, that seems to be where things are trending. Yeah, I'll say that. I would say they're close in enough. In the beginning, it was not right. Yeah. I think they're close enough. If you're talking about projecting again to where you can make an argument in either direction, I think Porter Jr., another guy who's like really big, right, six two, two hundred pounds. Um, the fact that he came out and ran sub four or five in the forty. That was a big thing for me um, because yeah. you don't always see that top end speed on tape, but it's nice to know that he checked that box. And he's a guy that I think is also growing and getting better year over year early in his career because he's been playing a lot at Penn State. You see him being physical to the point of being grabby, right? And uh, there were some questions about whether or not he was going to be a pass interference machine because he was always just trying to beat up on receivers. I think that he toned that down in 2022. You saw a little bit more technical refinement from him. I think his feel for the game is improving in a way that is going to allow him to be a little bit better in zone coverage. You know, early on coming into the year... I was thinking, ah, you might just take him because he's 6'2", long arms, and he's just going to be a bump and run corner. I think he can maybe do a little bit more with his game than that. Obviously, a really good tackler. Um, So the legacy of of his name carries on. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, he, he checks off a lot of good boxes. I just think that similar to Witherspoon, the question with him is like, is he a maxed out product as a corner? You know, I, I'm not sure. I do think that he's gotten better at Penn State, but I don't know where the ceiling is with a guy like him. With Banks, it's like, okay, there's a lot of raw athleticism there. And I think that you're good enough at things that are very important in the NFL where you might have a significantly higher ceiling than some of the other corners in this class. And, you know, that that's kind of the debate I've been having between those two guys. You know, they they have a lot of similar qualities in terms of the physicality, the length, the ball production. Uh, I think question marks about what kind of schemes that they're best in. Um, I gave a slight edge to Porter Jr. just because one of the things I liked about his tape was... So he's got incredible length. That's his calling card. His wingspan is insane. and, And one thing I think... I noticed watching him was as so I started from you know went chronologically he's gotten better he got better at using his length as time went on not just to break up passes and and cloud throwing windows but to compensate for he's not the most flexible or even the quickest guy guy. yeah he's his closing speed is good like he, he if he ends up you know in zone coverage he will ball right right? because he will he will read and come down fast but he's not fluid at all 
And I think um, one thing I liked is kind of felt like, okay, like, yeah, you know, this is a guy, he's he a little bit grabby and stuff, but he kind of got, I, I felt like he had a better spatial awareness as time yep. went on. Um, and I think he's going to get better in the NFL. That said, I do think, like, you know, there are limitations to his game. Shiftier receivers will give him a lot, a lot of, of problems, trouble. Yeah. So it really is going to come down to how he's used. Uh, whereas with Banks, like, ooh, buddy, he's just a bully. Like, some of his punches at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, he's got some clips of just parking wide receivers right at the line of scrimmage. Um, and I and it's it's I love that. Um, I think, but yeah, I, I think there's kind of just similar questions for me about fluidity yep. and man coverage, getting beaten, double moves, yep. grabbiness. I guess I with him. I'm trying to think, like, I guess I gave the edge to Porter Jr. because of the length, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if it really just kind of depends where both these players lie. Exactly. I mean, and I think they'll probably be close enough to where we'll probably walk away from it thinking like, oh, nobody loses no matter which direction you go in. Yeah. The thing I love about Banks, like, and it's all over his best clips, is if you think you're going to win the track meet with him, it's not happening. Not only is he physical yeah. enough to stop you at the line of scrimmage, he can go step for step with anyone. Um, and that's something that's going to be important if he does land in a scheme where he's pressing, playing a lot of cover one or a lot of cover three. Um, I think that that is obviously a really good fit for him. The issue, like you said, is like, is he really ready to deal with an NFL level route tree? Right. Those intermediate in and out breaking routes, your double moves when splits get tight and now you can't really get hands on guys and you've really got to rely on your feel for the game, your agility, being able to flip your hips, you know, be able to read plays out. Um, That's where I think he's those are the questions he's going to have to answer. Um, But for him and for Porter Jr. and you, you alluded to it with him as well, it's like. The athletic tools, at least, I think, set a decent enough baseline where you can feel comfortable with where his weaknesses are at. It's really just a matter of whether or not you think there's another leap they can make in the refinement of their games. And I think that my only hold up with both of these guys is you pretty rarely see guys come into the NFL and then magically get better hips, right? Or be able to cover mm. more of the route tree. You know, guys, you at this position, usually what guys come in with, their strengths are just their strengths and their weaknesses are just their weaknesses. So I'm, I'm interested to see where the NFL feels about Banks in relation to Porter Jr. Because I think that both guys can kind of provide similar things for teams. Yeah, it's interesting, especially with like wide receivers getting smaller yeah. and shiftier, even on the outside. And you've got these two bruisers types, you know, um, who are, I, I want to be clear, we're going to talk about Ringo briefly. They're not stiff. Right. Um, like they can, they, they can both, pl- like, you know, uh, Porter plays a ton of man mm-hmm. coverage, by the way, in, from Penn State, but they can both move uh, reasonably well. Um, I just, they're just not at the level of Witherspoon and Gonzalez. Like, yeah, exactly. They both share the same weakness, which is I think the the shiftier mm-hmm. guys will get them. Um, both very good tacklers yeah. too. We talked about the Porter Junior, but Banks like is a freight train yep. coming in on you know. Um, I love Emmanuel Forbes, so I'm putting him in this group as well. Another zeroth percentile and weight. <laughs> I know there's so many physical aberrations in this draft, um, man. But you know what? Let's talk about the positives of Forbes because there's a lot of them. Like, oh my god. Okay, so I should start by saying he's six foot and like what he measured in under 170. I think, yeah, it's like 167. 
Mississippi State, um, total string bean, runs a crazy 40. He has the most pick sixes in FBS history. Those are not lucky um, pick sixes either. Like, nope, nope. Those are genuine are ball skill, beat the receiver to the spot, and I'm winning the race down the sideline. The Levis one. Woo! Beautiful. So, yeah. Uh, also, uh, statistically, he was actually first in yards per coverage sack, per cover snap, pardon me, mm-hmm. second in yards after the catch per completion. Um, <laughs> he barely pressed. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, had very, well, I don't, we'll get, we won't get to the negatives. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the positives. Uh, the positive, the number one thing I'll say is, uh, mentally, I think he is very advanced. Yeah. And physically, while he does not, his size is an issue. His speed and range and fluidity, he is basically a wide receiver. Right. That, he, he, yes. He, he, when things get vertical, he has as good a chance at getting the ball as any wide receiver he's covered. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And because of those movement skills, for as little as he pressed, he doesn't lose often on like in breaking routes, right? He yes. can he can break on the ball as well as anyone. He can, you know, pick guys up, you know, from distance and be able to move his hips. He understands the angles of routes that he's getting. Um, and that's why he's able to undercut passes and get picks. That's why he's able to break passes up. And honestly, like he's so good at those things that if we're just talking from a pure coverage, strengths and weaknesses element, I wouldn't be upset if I just have to have a corner like Forbes that's not pressing because he does so many things well playing off the ball. You know, he he yeah. can break on the ball well. I wish he could tackle, but I mean, there's just some things physically that you're just not going to be great at at sub 170. Um, he has the highest missed and broken tackle rate of any of the top corners. So, you know, and and and. But as far as the ball skills, like you said, the pick sixes, they're all like very beautiful plays. You know? um, and like you said, I mean, playing off, but being able to to match these routes, like that's a high level of ability and mental acuity that is rare for young corners, you know, to walk in the league like that, I think speaks well to what he can be in pure coverage situations. You're just going to have to deal with the fact that every opponent you get, if he's starting, is going to cut the splits of their receivers down and run outside zone at them like four or five times in a row every quarter. Yeah, I was thinking about that because as we were talking, I was thinking about which of the defenses I would see him in. You know what I mean? Right. Um because yeah, you you want him playing off. You want him. You're gonna play a lot of zone as well. But um, even in a defense that hides him to some degree, there will be. You talked about you know the things that offenses will do to try to make him tackle, and then there will be situations where he will have to. I don't. Know, I think of like I don't. Let's say like the Chargers defense, yep. right? I'm like, oh yeah, I could see that. I could think about Brandon Staley finding a way. And but then you're like, okay, but then when they played Miami, yep, they had, you know they had to use them different. You know, so it's just kind of like you get you get into some complications. Um, you know, you play off and they throw a hitch in front of you, and now you got to deal with a guy that's got some wiggle, and you got to tackle. You know, and that's just not a strength of his game. And the margins are just so so slim in the NFL when it comes to people with tackling issues. That's that's really I think that's ultimately what stands in the way of him being in the same first round consideration as the top four guys to me. It would be interesting to see if so he's coming um, from Mississippi State. I do wonder if he can put on a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'm always careful about saying that with prospects because usually they're playing at their weight for a reason. Right. Most of these guys are from pretty big programs, right. but. He does look like he gained some weight. No, it's it's <laughs> so, stark <laughs> to, to look just at get, him. Just get your 
it's great for looking fast, though. I will say that. It, I think it makes him look significantly faster being as light as he I is mean, and then wearing all the white, you know? The the stride looks he, immaculate. Is he Devontae Smith's size? I guess just about. I was going to say he's like Jordan Addison of Jordan Addison play corner. It is so interesting because we ta- obviously had a lot of – we talked about this a lot with Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Can he be pressed? It's kind of the flip side of these things. But for wide receiver – it just matters less yep. for uh, all the obvious reasons. So it is an issue for him. Um, okay, so the next group, there's a bunch of guys that could go in the first round. Cam Smith, I mentioned Ringo, DJ Turner. Speaking of size aberrations, yeah. Travis Hodges Thompson, <laughs> who might be the best quarterback in this class if he was four inches taller. No kidding, yeah. Uh, poor kid. Clark Phillips, Tyreek Stevenson, um, just out of that big group, is there anyone that you are particularly intrigued by? Oof, intrigued. So let's. Kind of, I kind of want to break them up, and I can just give little bites on some of them because I don't know if any one of them stand out. Um, with Ringo, I think the book on him is. Let's do Ringo. The book on him is clear, right? <laughs> Can't do it. You know, Can't do it. the book on him is clear. I, I feel like you know, I, I try. I was high on him for a while. And then it just became harder and harder to make the argument the closer I watched. I just think that he missed his era of football by a decade. If it was Legion of Boom era, he was like... If he was Brandon Browner yes. in that bumping, yeah. <laughs> you know, like in that era of football, he gets to play for multiple contracts, right? And he's a great number two corner. I don't know how you protect a guy that I think genuinely is going to struggle to cover almost anything that's not off of the vertical plane on the route tree. You know, that's, it's, that's an it's, issue. So in his defense, he is strong, strong and as fast as hell. Yes. So when it looks good, like I think about when he picked Hendon Hooker yeah. and he's able to control a guy, you know, his line and hold it and get him to the sideline and, and keep up with him step for step right. and use his strength. It looks real good. Yep. But when he has to turn, it is, it's like a submarine turning kind of, you know, like I don't, your, me, your big rigs, the wide right turns. Yeah, oh my God. It's, it's tough. Um, and he can tackle. So like, I, again, you don't want to act like he, he can, can do nothing, really you know, well. like, oh, he can tackle really well. So yeah. there, there will be a role for him. He's just not going to be a Blitz blue him. chip talent at, at corner because of the issues he'll have covering almost anything that's not like a vertical or a comeback. Um, on the flip side, I do want to just actually get Trevius Hodges Tomlinson, THD. Mm-hmm. He is okay, so he's five foot eight, right? right? Five foot eight. Yep. Okay. So I I love him. <laughs> he's awesome. He's awesome. He's he plays so hard. Yes. He's so he's so good at everything. He's smart. He I, unbelievably, despite his size, gets his hands on the football, which is incredible. Yes. But he's, he's just tiny. so small. The man is yeah. tiny, and it's that's tiny, and it really sucks because I think uh, what's the guy's name from Kansas State? Is it Julius Hodges? Um, uh, is it from Kansas State? I, Brent, maybe Julius Brent. No, there no. you go, Julius Brent. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, that's a guy that's like he is really not all that refined, but he's six three and like. 216 pounds or something like that so a team's gonna take a shot on that right like and this is just the nature of the nfl um you know that's it's planet theory stuff so it sucks because not only does he play hard not only is he tough he's actually pretty refined like technically 
he, he's able to do a lot of things from the line of scrimmage or off the ball. He's got pretty good feel for the game because he's been a starter there for a while. Um, and so there are a lot of positives there. It's just like, dude, two inches and we could have a conversation. Three or four, know, and you might be the best one be, in the class. Yeah, he, truly, if he was just five foot ten. Yeah. Um, because he moves so well. I mean, of course he moves well at his size. Right. It's yeah, it's tricky. Okay, so uh, of the other guys, though, is there anyone you you like? Cam Smith, right? I like Cam Smith. I think he can do a lot. I, I think that he's a versatile guy who I think tops out as probably like a number two corner. Like a, he could be, I think, a high level number two corner. He's just a little raw technically, and it's funny looking at him opposite from his uh, teammate at South Carolina, Darius Rush, who is like very smooth as an athlete, um, can run with anybody, does not really do a whole lot else outside of that. Um, So for me, I think with Smith, you're going to get a guy that I think can play on the outside. He can do some zone stuff. He can play in man. He's not going to be able to handle the elite, elite level athletes, I don't think, on the outside. That, I think, would be his biggest obstacle to, to um, for being a hit as a corner at the NFL. But I like him a bit. And then the other guys, they're all projects in one way or another. I mentioned Julius Brents, Tyreek Stevenson's in the same kind of boat. Nice straight line speed guy. Doesn't do a whole lot else. I think that he's someone who can maybe play in the slot because he can tackle but you probably don't want him in one-on-one coverage. Um, and then the other smaller guys, DJ Turner's a, he, he can run really well, shorter in, yeah. not really the most refined coverage guy. Clark Phillips, tough as hell, very similar to Travis Hodges Tomlinson. And from a play style perspective, he's also like five, nine and not really an elite speed guy. So there's really not a lot, I don't think, after you get outside of like that top five, top six of corners where you feel like you might find a diamond in a rough, a Tariq Woolen, right? Like, I don't know if that guy is yeah. in this class. Yeah, because none, none of the guys we discussed have like those Woolen physical, right. the speed and the height. Um, I feel it's, uh, the way you described them all, yeah, I feel pretty much the same way. Smith is kind of the one that intrigued me because he kind of has all the traits. Right. I think. Coming out of South Carolina, people are going to watch him and say, yeah, he's like, and he's, and he's like physical. He's physical. And, like whatever. He and compare him and to JC Horn, mm-hmm. but he's not. It's J- not. He, he's not as, he doesn't have the twitch of Horn mm-hmm. um, or the top end speed. Right. I do think, though, he he potentially, there's something there. I do think there's something, something there. there. Um, the only safety I really want to talk about is Brian Branch, who might just be a slot corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I enjoyed watching him a lot. And he's one who, it's interesting actually, because I, I think he could go like literally anywhere. Yes. Because he's such a smart, experienced, and versatile player. I could see a defense, like a, a team even picking in the top 15, who's like, this is the missing piece mm-hmm. for our defense. We want a jack of all trades. Or I could see him dropping out of the first round. Um, I don't have a good feel for it, but I, I do like him a lot as a player, Deontay. Like, I, I do think. He, I mean, I've watched him a lot being at Alabama right. over the years. Um, I just think, I, I, I find him to be, like, to me, 
more than some of these players, I can just imagine him being good in the NFL pretty quickly. He checks all the boxes of what you would like a safety or slot corner to be in the league, right? Like the feel for the game, if we're ranking prospects on like instincts and understanding what offenses are trying to do to you, I don't know how you would grade someone higher than he is. You you watch him against LSU, you watch him against like Ole Miss. Obviously, the Kansas State game, I think, was like an extreme example of that with the interceptions and all the tackles and stuff he was making. Um, And then, you know, he's not a weak tackler. He's willing to show up, you know, and take on blocks. So if he's playing in the slot, it's not like, you know, you have to protect him as a run defender, which is also a plus. But he's not bringing he's not bringing the size that like Kyle Hamilton brought. Or it's like, okay, we can use him as almost like a pseudo linebacker when we need to and Mm. allow him to learn some of the NFL safety stuff from a Marcus Williams and some of the guys they had there. I don't know if his top end is what Kyle Hamilton's can be, but he's probably not that far behind, right? Like, I think a guy of his production, with his level of production, um, his level of experience and what you see in the tape in terms of skill set, that doesn't fail in the NFL, but if somebody were to tell me, nah, I think we'd rather have him in the 30s because he's not really the most switched up athlete. You know, he doesn't have a ton of ball production. I don't think I would be offended by that. I, I still I the range could go probably anywhere from like 15 to 40. I'm like, you know what? I think you could make an argument in any direction with him. But I do feel safe that he'll be a really good NFL football player. Yeah, I think that it's going to come down to where he lands. Um, uh, it's funny you mentioned Kyle Hamilton because I was thinking like a defensive coordinator like a Mike McDonald would be the best yes. guy mm-hmm. to pair with him who asks him to do different things to disguise. Right, you can blitz, um, show up in a run game. You can, you can blitz, exactly. Um, you know, but yeah, the, it's the, the, the only reason I think he's not clear first rounder is the athletic – you know, he didn't have the best combine yeah. and it shows up on tape. He'll get beat by shiftier guys mm-hmm. in the slot underneath. Um, was I talking to you about the Tennessee? Oh, I think we were talking. I was talking to Derek about Tillman and Hyatt. Mm-hmm. I think they both cooked Brian. Yeah. In that game. <laughs> Definitely Hyatt did uh, with a post, deep post. But um, and then there was I think actually it was Hyatt again yeah. at the goal line. On a slant, and you're like, okay, like that's a you, you see. You're said that there's the cap see. of like yeah, where he, what like, he can however, and can't do athletically. But in condensed spaces, um, God, I'm trying to think of the game. It was not LSU. Maybe it was Georgia. Maybe it was on Bowers or someone. I'm mm. trying to think, but in condensed spaces where he doesn't have to cover as much ground, he's he's very very good because of his. Like you talked about, his feel for the game and his ability to bait, read quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I just, I would, I, I would really like him as like the final piece right. in secondary, like a good secondary. You know, shoot, even like a Philadelphia or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that wants to throw him into the mix. There, I'd, I'd really like him because, um, yeah, he just, he's probably, I think, of all the, I mean. Definitely of all the DBs, he's probably the smartest player. I would say so. <laughs> that in the draft, yeah. I mean, I you know I was talking about football. You know, like I, I just he's never in the wrong spot. He's always kind of one step ahead. His mm-hmm. play recognition is just really, really, really pops. Um, and, and it by the way allows him to compensate for the lack of the elite athleticism. Right. 
And they trusted him to do a bunch at Alabama. Like you see all of the different checks and coverages they're making. And I think a lot of that comes back to what they believe he can do out on the perimeter or showing up in the box to make tackles, right? Like you're, you're rarely going to come across a defensive back who has 14 TFLs and it's not like cheap, you know, Oh, we're just blitzing a guy. We're like sending the house. It's cover zero. They legitimately couldn't have blocked them even if they wanted to. Um, and he cleans up the play in the backfield. Like he can legitimately diagnose yeah. run and pass be where he needs to be and make the play. Ultimately, really, like you said, he's just hard capped with like he's not going to be in a place where you can go play cover one, line up across from a slot receiver that's one of the more elite movers and lock that guy down. And that's cool. You know, I, I think that if he were that guy, then we would be talking about it as a top 10 pick. That's where I think that's where the dividing line is for him. And, you know, again, I feel like we've been, you know, really kind of harping on this with this class is that that's what I think is missing with a lot of these guys. Very good football players who are maybe just short of, you know, the one or two traits or skills that would make them, you know, knock out, don't even think twice about it, sprinting the card up to the commissioner, you know, types of picks. Um, But he can do a bunch for you. And like you said, as like your if he's your fourth best DB, you have a really good chance of having an elite pass defense. If you're asking him to be your star player then we're probably talking about something a little different. I haven't seen any other safeties regularly mocked. So at this point, you're like, who the heck is going to go in the first round? Somebody's going to go in the first right. round. Um, probably a bunch of those edge rushers that we just like blazed through. Yep. The <laughs> but, tight ends, uh, the edge rushers. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. a really weird class. Um, I haven't seen any consistently mocked in the first. Are there any others from the class that you're interested in other than branch not really i mean antonio johnson i think from texas a&m is kind of like a do-it-all guy he's big you know he's a pretty good tackler i will give him that same with jl skinner obviously you know i'd pound the table for a hometown kid because he's san diego same as me um and i've seen him play i've been watching him play since he was in high school so another guy who's like an explosive tackler probably not the most disciplined all the time in coverage um someone you can maybe take advantage of a little bit when it comes to like feel for the game and instincts. And that's kind of what's in his way. Sidney Brown is like not the biggest guy, you know, doesn't have the twitchy athleticism that you would like to see from safeties either. So that's why I think the conversation around like the non-defensive tackles, non-edges, non-corners has just been so quiet. And the same thing exists for linebackers, right? Like there's just not a whole lot there um, in this well, class. That's where we're ending. <laughs> so uh, the question, we did this on live. Would you take any of them in the first round? Uh, my response to that was the only one maybe is Drew Sanders, Drew Sanders. out of Arkansas. But even and, – and the reason you take him in the first round is that he has the pass rushing yep. proficiency to give you upside and utility as he learns how to play. I was going to I mean, none of these guys yeah. are really like know how to play. I mean, uh, not none of them. Sorry, but the top. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's Simpson. that's the issue, right? Like, if the starting point on the argument for someone like Drew Sanders is about doing something that's not linebacker play, then that tells you that the class is probably not exactly where you want it to be. 
I do I do really like his traits though, I will say. Like the pursuit, um, the the ability to get to the football. He's very physical, you know, like all that stuff is nice. I think that he he can drop into coverage. He's still gotta grow, I think, a bit in, in his comfort playing from depth, you know, playing out in those intermediate areas. That's where I think that he can be taken advantage of. But that versatility, like you said, you can legitimately line him up at the line of scrimmage. He can play as a middle backer. He can play as an apex defender. And he has the athletic ability to do so comfortably. That's my feeling. If if, if mentally he can get there and, like, learn how to play the position, um, he has the range right. to go sideline to sideline. Like, there's so many um, clips where – you don't see him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then you're like, whoa, there you go. Yeah. yeah not just. Um, I guess it could be like kind of Leighton Vander-esque, yeah. you know, type of thing where it takes him some time. Yeah. And by the time you get yeah. to like his second deal, it's like, okay, you can do enough of the linebacker stuff that, you know, you have value within the defense. You know, he's just not going to step in and be a star at the position right out the gate. And the same for Trenton Simpson. Like. Trent Simpson looks like a track star when he runs and like the blitzing off the edge stuff looks nice because he is so fast. Um, he is very like looked apart because he's got, you know, he's built well, but the, the small stuff that makes or breaks what, what's good for linebackers at the NFL level today, it's not there either. And I don't know if he brings enough of the blitz value, the pass rush value to justify taking a swing on that guy in the late twenties to early thirties. Yeah. I, I, I just generally feel that way about this group. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched the top four or five Campbell, uh, Henley, like they, they're just all of them. I think, well, Campbell's a little bit unique, but mm-hmm. It, it's all kind of question marks at this point. And we've seen, by the way, I mean, this is a longer conversation sort of, but um, playing linebacker in the NFL is really, really hard, hard for rookies right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way I would put it uh, briefly is all NFL offensive coordinators do now is dream of ways to make linebackers lives hell. Yes. Like in that is the, the Steven Ruiz like meme we, of the microscope. You know, we, we, joke about, we joke about that with Kyle Shanahan, but it's all of them now, yeah. right? Because of the prevalence of play action and RPOs. And jet and sweeps. Different and jet sweeps and then the different personnel groupings to get the mismatch. Like you're just. Just fitting outside zone. You, speaking as like a former linebacker, that is hell. Like it's hell dealing with outside zone. Yeah. And there's a reason why so few of them have succeeded earlier in their careers. So I do think that's probably going to influence um, draft strategy too. So it's very it feels unlikely to me that um, more than one of these players, if that goes in the first round. Yep. But as we've been discussing, somebody's got to get drafted. Right. So all right, we made it. Uh, let's wrap as always with five questions for our guest. Okay, four from me, one from Lenny. You ready? I'm always ready. Question number one. Um, I wanted to talk specifically about Atlanta at eight mm-hmm. because the way I see it, like all the guys we've been talking about are contenders for Atlanta yeah. to take at eight. Um, they, a lot of Falcons fans seem to think, and maybe the betting markets reflect this, I don't know, that Bijan Robinson would be the pick there. I do not agree with that. I'm Not, not that it won't happen. Right. I wouldn't do it is what I'm saying. And... That's a whole other conversation. I would take a defensive player. It's an interesting defense um, because they've got a new defense coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. They've made a ton of additions in free agency. So put on your Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. hat. 
Would you take one of these defensive players at eight? I have to get a defensive front guy. Uh, there, you cannot leave number eight without a defensive front guy. Like some of their backfield production numbers from last year is horrifying. Like no it's TFLs, no pressures, no sacks. Like they were basic. They basically get nothing out of anybody who's not named Grady Jarrett. <laughs> and it's really not fair to Grady Jarrett for as good as he is to have to anchor everything that's wrong with that defense you have to get somebody who can produce in the backfield um i've you know with the way that i think things are going for tyree wilson he might not even be there for them and you know if the draft plays out a particular kind of way if we do end up seeing some trades where teams end up sliding back slightly like a carolina not a carolina but an arizona um you know it 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 can go a bunch of different ways but if wilson is there at eight Knowing that Ryan Nelson comes from that Dennis Allen, big edge type of 4-3 defense, he's made for that. You know, Wilson is 100% made for that. As much as I love B. John Robinson and for as great a time I would have needling the running back first round discourse, folks, I that would be lunacy to me. You have too many needs on your team, your football team. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think edge would be ideal. Nielsen, you mentioned his proclivities makes a lot of sense. I mean, what we know, we, you know, assuming that it's somewhat closer to the Saints defense, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to it's going to be a lot more four man rush. Um, you have your quote unquote Marshawn Lattimore already with AJ Terrell. Like, well, so I'm not opposed to taking one of the two stud corners here, frankly. Um, I know they traded for Okuda, which is you know, a flyer yeah. for them, but that should not stop you from. I mean, if Witherspoon's there, I would. Premium just, defensive talent. I, yeah, I, I don't there. care where it is, just premium defensive talent. Yeah. All right, question number two. Speaking of defensive talent, last year, these are the top five defensive players taken in the draft Walker, Hutchinson, Sting, Sauce, Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. With one year under the belt, what order would you draft them in now? Ooh, ooh, that's We're a getting team really, fit in need. really good question. Um, I'll walk it up from five to one so I can finish this internal debate in my head because I'm not sure how <laughs> I want to go. I know that fifth, I would probably say, I'd probably say mm, Walker because I still think he's got a little bit to go, I think, to really be the edge rusher that Jacksonville is hoping that he's going to be. I would say Tibbs fourth towards the end of last season. I think he was getting a little closer to getting it, but it did take him a little bit of time. Um, Third, I would say I'd say Stingley. Um, And part of that is just like lack of tape, right? Like we really only got the first half, you know, first third of the season to evaluate them. And when it looked good, it looked really good. Like I think there's a good chance that they get the level of corner that they thought they were drafting at uh, third overall. Second is Hutchinson. Um, You know, I think it helps having that three sack game against Washington early in the year. But, you know, the motor was there. That was something that immediately translated. He's still, you know, he is a smart player. I think that that showed as well. Um, And I think that, you know, the questions that you had, while some of them may still exist, the strengths are legitimate strengths of his. And if he's productive, I think that, you know, Detroit should have a pretty good argument to feel like, hey, we checked off finding at least a premium defensive talent potentially in in Hutchinson. And number one is obviously, you know, Sauce Gardner. Like, I I think that if you were to break it down into tiers, it's sauce certainly by himself. And then I think a considerable amount of distance before you start talking about the other um, top five defensive talents from last year. 
the refinement and technique, obviously the athletic ability, the physicality, like that was not just him beating up on um, American Athletic Conference wide receivers. Like he was, he was a problem, you know, it was the highest compliment I think to be paid was the fact that Josh Allen just decided he was not really going to deal with him at all when they matched up with each other outside of a couple of plays. Not just Josh Allen, right? Yeah. Um, okay, question three. Don't need an explanation. What's a team, if you were Anthony Richardson's agent, not agent, if you're Anthony Richardson, forget that, put, put yourself in his mind, where would you like to be drafted? Oh, I'm going to every publication I can say and lying and be like, hey, you know, they're saying that Detroit really likes me. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, that's that's, the, that's spot. the spot. I mean, you have Goff there to hand it off to you. You know, it's a soft, it's a soft landing for Richardson, gives you some time. And then from a play style perspective, putting him behind that offensive line and what they can do in the running game and having Jamison Williams there as the take the top off guy, like it, it's got to be Detroit. Question four. Um, I haven't done this in a while. Moving after the draft. Do you have a content recommendation? Something you've read, watched, listened to lately that you enjoyed? Um, when I flew to Indianapolis for the combine, the book I was reading was How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. And obviously, like, I, this is a New York Times bestseller, so it's something that's been on the radar of people. But it covers basically kind of like the the history of slavery in the country and the way that that story is retold. Um, I, I thought it was very even handed. I love the way that he approached um, the interviews that he did of the people that were there and the places that he went to. It's probably been my favorite book so far of 2023. You do a book. I'll do a book. I just, in like two days last week finished speaking of it's two years old um no one is talking about this by patricia lockwood mm -hmm. which is basically a novel about what it's like to be terminally online mm. and worried that it's taking over your brain um it's beautifully written and i think anyone who is on the internet a lot will get a lot out of reading it um so i would recommend that although it's very it's pretty intense so okay. make sure you're in the good headspace all right last question as always comes from lenny um, this is a question for both of us. Well, I'm not going to answer. <laughs> Lenny, listen to our preseason 2022 NFL defense. I know where this is going. <laughs> and he just wants to know you both thought the Packers were going to be a top three defense. Answer for your sins. I'm not answering because this is not, I'm not, it's your, it's your answer. You know, it's hard to answer, especially because, well, I, I will say, I felt it was strong logic to look at the body types that they had up front and see all those huge human beings and think that they'd be able to stop the run. Now, I will start there. That that kind of caught me off guard a bit. I, I had a hard time squaring that and then giving up the plays that they did in the passing game. Like it, I don't know. Like the name, maybe this is just attrition. I guess that just happens in the NFL, but you look at the names and you look at what they look like in the second half of the 2021 season, where it was like nobody was ever open when when teams were passing the ball on them. I, I don't know what happened with that. And I guess that that just speaks to needing elite play on the edge, which they missed, you know, last mm -hmm. year. Um, 
I was just going to blame Joe Barry, but that's a good answer. That's a much better answer. And honestly, I thought that you were going to do the Vikings for me, which is like a take I am sprinting I forgot away from. that you had the Vikings. I had them like as like the eighth or ninth that's best so defense. so much worse. Yeah, that wasn't. So bad. Yeah. I think when you said it too, I was like, really? You, you did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> but that's way worse. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Embarrassing. Wow.